Hey girl, you feel that? That's boyfriend material. This is episode four, The Nice Guys from 2016. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Valor. It's kind of squishy and velvety. It fits the time. Cars use Valor for their interiors, and it looked like there was a lot of Valor interior type cars in this movie, so this one's brought to you by Valor. Oh, you mean Valor? Yeah. Valor. I forgot that was the thing. It's like, hey, do you You're feel this? You're supposed to say no. That's boyfriend. Oh material. fuck yeah, Jesus. no, that's boyfriend material. Sorry. Never <laughs> God mind. damn it. I'm like painfully hungover today. Like I'm like still hungover and it's late. But I'm well, this gonna is get all through this. The podcast. Just so that the world can see the kind of unprofessional bullshit <laughs> they that I have to deal do. with on a weekly basis. <laughs> well, Joe, you must feel like Russell Crowe in this movie too. Hey, we Joe have not too. introduced you. You do not talk <laughs> yeah. yet. What, whoa, what is whoa. going on on this jungle so aggro of an episode? This morning. Jesus. Okay. Man, man, oh man. Okay. Hmm. So with us today, though, we have a very <laughs> special guest. As this is a movie that takes place in the past, we had to bring on resident, resident historian, historian Mike, Mike Manzi. Manzi. Drink if you're playing our drinking <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot. Resident historian. Mike Mancy. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. This is your first time on Boyfriend Material. This is our first guest on Boyfriend oh, Material. Oh, damn. Yeah, it is. Oh. I forgot. Okay, cool. That's one for the history books. <laughs> yes, sir. Literally. Literally. <laughs> so if you have not seen yet on Facebook, we have a official, unofficial drinking game for Joe and my four podcasts. One of those is every time we mention Resident Historian, Resident Historian Mike Manzi. Although this episode, I think just the, just the one time, because otherwise you are going to be drinking so much. He's going to be talking so much, and we're going to be referencing oh. them the whole time. But there are more than enough reasons to drink. It's just the one time reference. Like not every time my name is spoken, people. So in other know. in other podcasts, it is. It's it should okay. be every time you drink. But like tonight, you're going to yes. be here, so it'll be pretty rough. And very happy to be here. We posted the picture on our Facebook and our Twitter page. So Facebook dot com slash cage club and at cage club pod on twitter find it it applies to all four of our podcasts and follow our fast and furious facebook page sir at um facebook.com slash too fast too forever yeah good job that one all right this is the first time we've recorded since we created that page exactly i think so go on there it's lots of wacky goofy fun time shit so if you think that I say weird shit now. You should just go read the post that I make there. <laughs> Check them out in Check meme form. Out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Absolutely. So this is a movie from two years ago that came out the same year as La La Land. Both uh-huh. of those films uh-huh. were in my top ten of the year that year. I love them both. Me too. This, you know, getting it right out of the way here early on, I think this is barely... Number two on my list, right behind La La Land. La La Land is just like this perfect, wonderful bundle of joy in my heart. I love, love, love this movie, but I know, (laughs) I know, Joe. Um, I know how Mike feels about it. We're going to hold off on him for a second. We're going to come to him in a second. But as the co-host, the co-pilot, you know, the second Joe of the three Joes. (laughs) Of the Joe and Joe detective agency? (laughs) Yeah, the nice guys. We are the nice guys. I think they're pretty nice guys. What did you think of this movie? Because you had never so, seen this before, so what did you think of it? No, I had um I had not seen this movie before, and I'm really sad that I didn't see it. It was, like, a lot of fun. It was really funny. It was, like, quirky. Uh, the story was good. It had, like, a nice, like, mystery, but it didn't feel too heavy. Like, although there's, like, people dying all the time and, like, weird shit happening. Um, it was fun. Do you know the guy who wrote and directed this movie? Are you familiar with Shane Black? Not at all. So he wrote Lethal Weapon. Oh, cool. Yeah, then yes. He wrote then yes. The Monster Squad. Fair. He wrote <laughs> The Last Action Hero. 
he wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which might be my favorite one of his. Or my other favorite one of his might be Iron Man 3. He oh, wrote. okay. Cool. And then he also wrote this movie. And he mm. is wonderful. The only knock I have against this movie is that it's not set at Christmas, because most well, of his things are set at Christmas. <laughs> but the oh. very last scene is Christmas. So it's he true. gets it in there under the uh, under he the does. wire. Oh, yeah. interesting. I didn't, yeah. I mean, I guess I noticed it, but like, I, I didn't make the connection to him like loving Christmas movies or something, so makes sense. I mean, Iron Man 3, a movie in the MCU, is a Christmas movie. Like, the fact that he's able to do that just <laughs> shows his dedication to the Christmas holiday in films. I love it. I'm glad you enjoyed. Now I know, Mike, this might be hyperbole. I'm not sure. Is this your favorite movie? <laughs> I think currently, after rewatching it twice in two days, I think it might be at the moment. Yeah. Wow, damn. I, I love this movie. I don't know. I'm so, I'm so down with this. Just everything. The vibe, the story, the conspiracy. It's like this retro noir that is just lacking these days i feel in theaters and representation i love shane black you know aside from all of those credits joey listed like he i believe is like a notorious script doctor like uh, carrie fisher was one as well like their hands were all over like very famous projects along the way he's a minor actor in predator i love him for that as well he's also in this movie Oh, is he? he? I didn't catch him. He plays the van driver that hits and kills Blueface. Oh, Oh, well, he didn't. Yeah, he definitely didn't catch him. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I actually have a pretty funny... Well, it's a a real quick story about when I saw this in theaters. Uh, I'm sitting there with my dad, and and we're loving it the whole way through. He's in his 70s, and he he had a blast. And the movie ends, and some guy gets up and and storms out, and, and so everyone could hear, make sure he says it loud enough, what the hell was that crap? Worst movie movie ever really wow i turned to my dad and i'm like that was one of the best movies i've ever seen and he's like yeah me too so we had like an extra chuckle as the credits rolled why would you be mad about this movie it was so much fun like do you just not like being fun yeah how are you gonna be mad on vacation (laughs) especially with these two guys like running the show in this movie like they're amazing in this i love them. yeah before we discuss the film any longer, I think we should take a detour and cover our first segment, Canadian Gaz and the Laws, Canadian Goose on the Loose, Gaz and the Laws, whatever we want to call it, Ryan Gosling News Stories. Gaz and the Laws. Oh, have you guys brought up the Keanu-Canada connection between them yet? No, we Just have not. Just that they're no, both Canadian. A couple, a couple Canadian. We have, so we have two Canadian hosts on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Oh. Both hosts of the Winona Forever podcast are Canadian. I didn't know However, they are that. covering Winona, who I think was born in America, right? I believe so. Interesting. I think I'm she was like named up. after her hometown. I learned that on there. Oh podcast. yeah, Winona, Minnesota. Right, 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 right. I learned yeah. that on episode two. Yes, Winona, Minnesota. That's a cool. So name. Canadian Gaz and the Laws. You know, we have Kiana, who we adore here. We have Gosling, who we adore here. Glad you brought it up. Both Canadian boys done good here in America in Hollywood. Joe, I have two bits of Gaz and the Laws news. What do you have? You want to hit us with one? Yeah. I'm going to give you my first one first. Just because it's appropriate and super boyfriendy. Apparently, a story came out yesterday, you know, recording day yesterday, that Ryan Gosling helped his mother-in-law into a car after lunch oh. in Los Angeles. So he took his mother-in-law out for a nice <laughs> dinner, and then he also, like, is escorting her and, like, opened the door for her and helping her into the car. Super boyfriend material type, gauze on the laws. Ava Mendez's mom does not look like Ava Mendez at all, so just warning you about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, my first little bit of gauze on the laws, big news since we last recorded. Uh, <laughs> More news about the fucking film. The 
movie? Is it more news about him being Buzz Aldrin no, or whatever? No, I have no, I have no gods and laws about him being Buzz Lightyear. That is, you know, a monthly tradition. Buzz Lightyear. Skip this month, I think. He like no for like the Mike. Oh, just sorry, just a tidbit. Mike, for like the past like sixteen times we've done this segment, it's just like a different picture of him in the Buzz Aldrin like <laughs> oh, okay. get up. Yeah, because he's like shooting this movie. So like every time we do this, it's just like there's a new picture of him here. We got this from the set, and it's just like him in a different outfit. And, like that's the whole story. Wait, could this news possibly be bigger than him helping someone? When, uh, his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law. <laughs> Who does not look like his wife. So. Not at all keep that in mind yeah the news that i'm sharing is that since we last recorded our second episode blade run 2049 went on to win two academy awards oh yeah that's Yay. good news that's right yeah Bravo. it won best well visual effects and finally for roger deakins to finally capture that best cinematography award cinematography mmm delicious yeah it's it's Joe have you watched corporate yet from a couple weeks ago I have completely caught up and finished but I watch them usually really drunk but uh, yeah I love it why did you see because I mean what I just said is a reference to corporate where so Mike if you're not watching corporate you should watch corporate if everybody out there is not watching corporate it's probably one of my favorite shows on TV right now corporate it's the best new show of the year on the episode where they all have the huge, like basically the tablet-sized watches from Hampton. Oh yeah, not the obelisk, but the the watches. Okay, right. They're all watching that show. Matt keeps talking about how the show has such great cinematography. Oh yeah, and <laughs> that's finally, right. Finally, at the very end of the episode, Jake's like, "Are you saying cinematography? It's cinematography." He's like, "Oh, that makes more sense." But the <laughs> whole episode, he's telling everybody how much he loves the cinematography. Oh, that's right, because they're watching this new like Game of Thrones type show. Yes, and every and he's like the only one not watching it. Yeah, yeah, Jake's the only one not watching it, but Matt loves the cinematography. I honestly thought you were making a boyfriend material reference all day when you were saying cinematography, and I was like. <laughs> Cinnamon it works, toast it works on multiple crunchy. levels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. I used to put cinnamon on like cornflakes and stuff when I used to eat them and everything. So, but why you did you stop eating cornflakes? Why did you use? Yeah, then I ate cinnamon toast crunch. I still eat cornflakes just without the cinnamon these days. Oh, okay. Yeah, Blade Runner. Shout out. Love that movie. Great episode, you guys. I, I you, you know, I just have to, one of my favorite movies of last year. I wish Anna Diarmas was nominated for supporting actress. That's the only problem i had with the oscars this season goss is great in it android goss i loved them yeah on the armist shout out keanu club the canadian connection yeah. here from knock knock to blade runner 2049 and also exposed three exposed. movies that we've Damn. covered the Anna de armist trilogy here on the cage club podcast network do you have any other gods and laws i have one other bit of news no i want you to kick the second one go ahead so you probably heard this based on your personal life interests, but Gosling was unknowingly the face of an ICO, an initial coin offering, oh, that raised what? 330 grand, and that was like this big scandal, scam, whatever, because he's not at all involved <laughs> with awesome. this. So you could get the Goss coin? Shifty startup using a stock photo of Gosling for their headshot of their lead graphic designer raised almost a million dollars in an ICO. <laughs> The company is Miroski, M-I-R-O-S-K-I-I. So they're like, hey, how do we raise money? Let's just say that Gosling is our graphic designer. And how did nobody notice that? I don't know if they use his name, but they definitely use his picture. That's so weird. I mean, I have lots of thoughts about <laughs> crypto that um, we've talked about before. This is not going to go into that. But if anyone is out there thinking about buying you know, cryptocurrency with Ryan Gosling's face on it, just don't. How about that? Just like, just or don't do that. don't. Yes. Yeah, or don't. Or, <laughs> or don't. Or make it the dominant cryptocurrency out there. And so <laughs> when it becomes the world standard, you know, he's on the coin. Please note great. that Mike Manzi's 
views do not reflect the, the Cable Podcast <laughs> yeah. Network or Brave for Material. Do not invest in crypto. Do not invest more than you are willing to lose. It is yeah, gamble, you, you not can invest in it. Just it's gambling. So just know that. Well, okay. How about this? We just petitioned to get his face on like the nickel or something like sure. that. Sure. Like let's Fair. do that. D- like a you know, three dollar Canadian coin. coin. A three dollar coin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> three dollar coin. I like that. Yeah, exactly. Because it'll be like, yeah, it's it's not really that useful, but it still exists. And you'll want it, so you know, exactly. because his face is on it. So without further ado, I don't have any other gods on the laws. Do you have any other gods on the laws, either of you, to bring to the table here? Any other Canadian goose on the loose? Any other Ryan Gosling news that we want to talk about before we move on? No, sir. We can talk about the movie if you're ready. I am ready. This is a movie that takes place in the 70s. That's why resident historian Mike Mansi is on. It's about two detectives who start on opposite sides of the case, teaming up to find... Did you recognize her, Joe? Jill Garvey from The Leftovers. Robert I Crowley. absolutely was going to say it's Jill. Yes, I was going. I recognized her, and I want to say that. I'm going to need you guys, since this is the first time I watched it, I'm going to need you guys to kind of help me walk through this nooks and crannies of the breakfast absolutely. of this story, Okay. The English muffin cereal. The English, nice yeah, yeah. So the, the movie cookie starts crisp. with Gosling <laughs> taking money from an old woman. Yes. Who is looking for her husband, who died, and she saw him at the funeral. He's sort of this guy who's not above taking money for just nothing cases. Things that he's just, he's just there. He's not really the most ethical person. Exactly. This is also, though, the first time that we have Gosling as Papa Goz. He has a kid in this movie. Oh, true. Good point. Named Holly. His name is Holland. So I love that he named her after himself. Yeah. Which is <laughs> the best. Pro move. I would do that. He then takes money from an old woman who is the aunt of Misty Mountains, who is the porno actress who dies in the opening scene. Which is a great porno name, by the way, Misty Mountains. Like, that's fucking incredible. That's like... Apparently, it was named after the production studio for this movie or something. Oh, something wow. Along those lines. Cool. Hmm. Even cooler. And so she is dead. We see her die. I mean, the world doesn't really know that she's dead. The world says she's dead, but, you know, this aunt still thinks she's alive for one reason or another. Because she saw and her. And so... Oh, uh, she sees her. Yeah. Yes. She, she, she sees her, her yeah. across the street or as she's driving. She sees her in this blue pinstripe jacket. Blah, 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 blah. So Gosling is looking for her. He's just mostly taking money. He finds out that this girl, Amelia, is a person of interest, you know, related to Misty Mountains. Amelia is afraid for her life of these two different guys, one of them being Gosling, hires Russell Crowe to beat him up. And then from there, Amelia goes missing. And then Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling team up to find her. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, And then, you know, there's lots of twists and turns in terms of everything. Ultimately, it comes down to Detroit automakers are cracking down on this whole crew of filmmakers and these, like, free spirits because they are protesting smog. They want this, you know... Hippies. They just hate hippies, essentially. They want the... Yes. But there's, like, a catalytic converter that's going to cut down on emissions that Detroit is cracking down on. It's a very complicated plot. I feel like it maybe is a little too complicated, but it also works as like a spy movie. We also have Kim Basinger here as Amelia's mom, and she is in cahoots with Detroit. Oh, and, that's right, yeah. you know, There's all sorts of people sending them on twists and turns and all this different stuff. Mike, did I miss out anything, any sort of major through lines, plot points, anything like that? Well, just right off the bat, I can't believe you missed Gosling's introduction shot of him in a suit in a bathtub. Oh, of course. I mean, I'm. I'm not. We're not. We're not going scene yeah. by scene here. I mean, yeah. We're just saying oh no, but I just thought you would have mentioned. I just thought you would have mentioned. You know the way. Oh, that I have that in my notes. Don't first scene in the film. It. So the basic thing is, yeah, Amelia's mom is covering up this whole conspiracy with the Detroit Auto people with the catalytic converter. So they're poisoning the air, and they're on the case. And yeah, they cracked that case. Um, yeah. And then in the end, yeah. 
They have a happy ending. They team up to be the nice guys agency. They team up. And hopefully, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite letterbox reviews. I mean, now it's a meme. I think this is one of the. This was on the on the cusp, on the beginning edge of this meme. The review said, "Let me find it exactly." And I quote: "This is from some girl that I follow on Letterboxd." Okay. Review says one of the best comedies in recent memory, and still no sequel. How come Hollywood? And I love this. I do not like Three Billboards as a movie, but I love the Three Billboards meme, the how come blank. Yeah. This movie sets itself up to have a sequel. I don't know that if, if we ever will, but we could yeah, have... I don't, think it, I don't so... think it wants one. I don't want one. No, me neither. Yeah, I think it's like perfect the way it is. I think it's implied, though, that they go off and they have a whole series of adventures you could read about you know as if they were like the hardy boys or something like exactly that, you know like like there's a catalog of their adventures in some fictional universe that mickey spillane wrote or something <laughs> this was originally envisioned as a tv series and then when that went nowhere it became this movie so there's obviously i think that's why it feels like it's a setup to be sort of like a mm-hmm. an extended yeah. pilot of sorts or maybe you know like yeah. a first that's season a of a call. tv show sort of crammed into a movie anyway like Definitely, you look yeah. at it i think it's it's great and it's fun and it's wonderful, and I would I would like more because I like both of these guys, but I also like the sort of like the little perfect wrapped in a bow package that we have in this movie as it is. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like rewatchability here too, you know, like uh, especially concerning the plot and everything. Like at first, it just washes over you to a degree, and it's more of like a character thing where you're following like their performances. I think are kind of carrying the movie mostly. Yeah. Um, but then like second and third viewing, like it's not overtly complicated what's going on. It's just made complex because they're detecting it they're unscrambling it and everything but i feel like what's good is it's it all sort of like makes sense at the end you know it's not filled with plot holes and anything or anything like that so it's nice and and smooth by the finale so yeah i think it's got like that rewatchability i can agree for sure the best part about this movie for me is obviously how relatable ryan gosling is (laughs) to my life as a functioning alcoholic yes it was just so <laughs> awesome that he's just like drinking the entire movie joe i actually uh, joe too i thought like reason to have a kid and drive you around i literally had the exact same thought if you guys know i'm pretty anti-child not that i don't like them but i just don't like them so <laughs> when i was watching this movie though i definitely thought like man if i had a kid then by the time I hit peak alcoholism in, like, 16 years, they can just be my chauffeur, and it was a really good idea. Although, easier solution, within 16 years, left self-driving cars, cheaper than having a kid. <laughs> Way cheaper than having a kid. Very good point. Gosling predicts that in, like, five years at the end of this movie. Yes, he says five years tops, we're all driving electric cars from Japan. So, yeah. not quite there, but in reality, Close. you know, we're, we might be there, so... Everything Ryan Gosling says in this movie cracks me up. Like, there's so many amazing quotes and so many amazing intonations. I wrote down, I was trying to keep track of, like, the scream squeal counter. We talked about Ryan Gosling screaming in the past episodes. I lost track, but I have at least four or five. He has some good. He has some good screeches in this one. Like one early on. Oh, he cuts his wrist, but then he gets beat up, and he's like, he's like, so put a fork in me. Actually, don't really put a fork. Like he, like so much of like the <laughs> Gosling personality comes through that we've seen in other movies. That's why I like this too. That like we watched La La Land, and we learned that like he did a lot of kind of improvising for those. Right? That like he was like just you know saying goofy stuff. And, like, this feels like his same personality, like, with his, like, you know, quirky little quibs and stuff, so. 
I hope that he was involved with writing some of this stuff. I also do think, I mean, I don't want to take credit away from him because we obviously both love him, and I know that Mike loves Gosling too, but I really do think that a lot of that is also just Shane Black. Like, Shane Black's movies... True, I prob- I'm, you're sh- I'm sure you're right, yeah. They're somehow, they are exactly the point of being too cool before they get annoying. Like, I don't oh, know how he does that. That's such a good call. But it's just like, the, the, like this movie, I'm a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like, Robert Downey is so close in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang to being intolerable like he's so close but he doesn't get there and because of that he is the fucking coolest and i don't know if either of you know this sidetrack here did either of you notice sid shattuck the dead producer is robert downey in a beard oh, with his no. face blown off no I never couldn't that. couldn't tell i Mr. didn't Hat-rack. recognize that in theaters i read that and when you know it's him, it's very clearly him. I don't know if you don't know it's him. Obviously, you can't tell. I mean, they, they keep the camera on him a while. It's not like they, you know, cut and you know pan away or anything like that. Like he's on screen for oh, a couple right, seconds. Right. But yeah, if, if you don't know it's him, I guess you don't know because his like entire face is bloody. He's got this like big beard on. But yeah, it's uh, Robert Downey uncredited. You know, a little bit of a cameo role. Cool. That's cool. Uh, but I love that because he's in Kiss Kiss yeah. Bang Bang and Iron Man Three. You know, buddies with Shane Black and just yeah, I'll be on set for a couple hours lay dead in the dirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, Tony Stark is, like, the perfect character for Shane Black to write, you know? I yeah. feel like when he got Iron Man 3, like, people were like, yeah, that's gonna be awesome, but it's like, no, but, like, you don't understand. Like, it's the perfect cipher for this guy's personality. Like, you, like you said, Joey, like, right before he gets to be too much to handle, he kind of pulls back a little bit, and he get and, and gets a good groove, but... One of the one of the lines that I picked up on this time that I didn't mention they don't really mention a lot about his character's wife Gosling is a widower in this movie yeah there's one line where he's talking about his job and how his wife called it rumpy pumpy yes and he goes I don't know she was English <laughs> <laughs> I heard that and I was thinking Joey maybe we can have an executive decision here that our quadruple space for this podcast will be rumpy yeah. pumpy mm. do you have I one like yet. That. No, we, we don't, don't have, have one yet. yet. No. You don't have a placeholder? No. Because in La La Land, he never, we, like, we never, I mean, they're in a relationship, but we never, like, they never have sex. Yeah. He never has sex with Joy. I mean, I guess he does have sex with Joy. We, we didn't really coin anything there. You know what would be weird if you keep this is that I was on the quadruple spaced episode. Sure. Exactly. Those coins, so so mm-hmm. we can just quadruple space you right into some rumpy bumpy. I'm trying to find online. I'm unable to find it. There was something, some blog post I read a couple years ago wrote about how Shane Black, even when he's not writing dialogue, when he's just writing the script, he describes things in a way that like you exactly know what it means. Mm. And I can't find it. I wish I could find if it. If you're somebody I... that's like reading the script, you mean? Like he just like yes. lays it out really well? It was the way that, like, he described the house in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where, like, Robert Downey goes up to, like, this, like, this ornate, beautiful house, and it's something, like, to the effect of, I think, like, something like, the house that every producer you fucking hate owns, or something like that. Like, it's just, like, this weird, you know, very specific, but also vague description that, like, you know exactly what it is without him actually describing it. Yeah. And, like, it's it's that way that he's able to just, like, be cool. Like, it's, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to adequately describe my enthusiasm for him. I feel like it's sort of, you know, the way that Tarantino was cool in the 90s, and it's still cool to an extent. Yeah. I feel like Shane Black is sort of that same kind of, and like, I think there's a comparison there, like, mm-hmm. especially, yeah. Mike, as we've talked about on our Charlize podcast, oh, the yeah. guy who directed Two Days in the Valley in 15 Minutes, like, really wants to be one of those two guys. I think, like, yeah. I think there's a lot of filmmakers who like those two guys a lot, and I yeah. think it's like that that exuding aura of cool 
both in the movies and the characters and presumably also the scripts. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't read a lot of film scripts or anything like that, but I get the sense just from watching his movies that he doesn't write them like most people. It's more, probably more like reading a book or something to my imagination, just because of the way some of these sequences are pulled off. Like, especially the action sequences in this movie are they just feel so well choreographed. They must have been well explained in the on the page, you know what I'm getting at? It just like feels yeah. like... I think I think it just comes down to like he's a great writer so like he has just better ways or of expressing himself than other writers and like people can get their ideas and thoughts across and it can get on screen but then a guy like Shane Black or you know Tarantino because we mentioned him like those guys come along and it's like no like the way I write makes you see it in a certain way that it's easier to convey and so when we get down to filming it and making the movie like we're making magic now and stuff like the action scene at the end of this movie was just like every time I watch it it's like it's like the perfect Rube Goldberg of people Joey instead of the imperfect one at the beginning of Super Superman 3, mm-hmm. which is just like this catastrophe. Like, Shane Black writes like the perfect action Rube Goldberg's like action sequences. So, yeah, I just, I just think like he's just a higher caliber talent that we're dealing with. I can agree with you about this, uh, even <laughs> though I'm not a, like, I'm not a Shane Black super fan. Like, I, I see it. Like, you can just tell just like you're saying. And, and I thought Tarantino when I was watching it, I was like, the dialogue yep. and just like the flow of the movie and stuff and the characters. Mm. I, that's the first Have you seen I Lethal thought. Weapon? Joe too. Have you seen or Joe? Joe either yeah. Joe's. Have you guys seen, seen all like? All the, yeah. Oh, okay. I've yeah. seen like I the feel first like, one. Yeah, one and two. I think that's good. You're good if you if you, if you yeah. stop there. But I feel like a lot of this is sort of there. But it's just it was like in the '90s. So he's writing about the '70s here, but it's the 2000s. I don't know. It's just like where his brain's at. But I feel like a lot of his stuff is you know a really good patter between partners is most of the movie and then it's whatever the plot and the action stuff you yeah. get up to it's always great action and it always turns out to be an interesting plot but it's not primary it always some focus seems to be on like partnership or friendship or you know the character well i think that's true of both him and tarantino but they both have this like love for a bygone era both of like filmmaking and also just like life and you know mm-hmm. throwing back to the 70s and just like the way that we lived in the 70s and the way people talked and the way people interacted and you you're right, I think it is like a lot about the characters, but it's not like the plot is a total afterthought. Like there's actually still like a plot that you can follow that matters, that you know has stakes, fun. that like has yeah, it's yeah. fun. There's still a plot there, it's just that at the heart of this movie, it's sort of like a bromance between Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Uh, whoever cast this movie, or, or maybe it was Shane Black who had the, no, you know... It was, it was some woman. I saw her name in the okay. credits. Well, she deserved an Oscar. I mean, for crying out loud, like, getting these guys together is, like, kismet. You know, it's like, it's just, again, it's just like, why haven't they been, you know, making movies together since this, the way that, like, The Rock makes movies with, who is it? Kevin, Kevin Hart. Kevin yeah, Hart. Hart. Yeah, you know, like, why are those two making 20 movies together and not like these two not like not that they have i don't want them to necessarily make more movies as these characters but i just feel like they work really well together i'd I'd see them as opponents as partners whatever you know i totally forgot until you just brought that up that the first time the only other time that i'd seen this i saw this in austin at a draft house and they had a live stream q a from la where ryan gosling and russell crowe and maybe shane black 
or maybe a producer. It was definitely the two stars and someone else, I think, were there for Q&A. I remember them talking about getting the scripts, and I think, like, one of the, like, they both got the scripts, and I think one of them joined because the other one was there. I think it was, like, one of those things, like, I want to work with them. I want to say, might not be right, but I want to say, like, Ryan Gosling was sort of, like, he was in, and then Russell Crowe was like, well, if he's in, I'm in. It was, like, one of those situations. Mm. So, like, I think that there is, like, a camaraderie there, that there's chemistry on stream, because, like, I think they just want to work together. I mean, this was a couple years ago that I'm remembering back to, so I don't know. I mean, this movie came out almost exactly two years ago. I think it came out, like, May-ish 2016, so I've seen a lot of things between then and now. Mm-hmm. But I want to say, like, the, 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 the banter between them on stage was really fun. You know, I mean, just streamed, like, they weren't in the room with me. But I remember, like, Russell Crowe trying to learn Twitter so they could promote this movie, and Ryan Gosling <laughs> oh. was, like, you know, shitting all over him because, like, he didn't understand technology or, like, the internet or social media at all. Like, I feel like they really just had a good time working together. So I would love to see them more in movies going forward. I mean, whether they're these kind of movies or... Like, anything. I don't know. Like, maybe, Mike, a movie like Something's Gotta Give, where we have Gosling in the Keanu role, <laughs> and yeah. Russell Crowe in the Jack Nicholson role, maybe I would like that movie. If yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be good. I, yeah, again, I'm up for anything. Like, I know this is the Gosling, uh, I know we're boyfriend material here, but if there were Russell Crowe podcasts, like, I would, it would be, you know, I'd be down for that, too. I'd, I'd listen to, I wouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I can't do it, but I'd listen to it. Like, he is amazing in this movie. I just feel like he's way kind of against time here like he's still playing a tough guy so you got gladiator but like dude is let himself go for this role you know like he's a fatso here he's not like an awesome guy but like for russell crowe he's got the weight the weight is on and he carries it beautifully like he's this i've never seen him be so funny and like really sort of same poke fun at his persona and you know because he's known for fighting around the world and all i was just gonna say this i was just gonna say this (laughs) Joey doesn't get it because he doesn't watch South Park. Oh, that's right. That's right. But yes, the first thing I thought of when you were just talking about how much you love Russell Crowe was like, as long as (laughs) it's him and Tugga, there's a whole episode of South Park, Joey, that is about Russell Crowe, where Russell Crowe just fights everything. It's his, it's like a TV show. It's a okay. reality show okay. that he has. It's called Fighting Around the World, and it's just like him, and he has a tugboat called Tugga that's like this anamorphic tugboat, I guess. Yeah, it's like, it, it has like a consciousness. It's like his sidekick. <laughs> it <laughs> would he, be a puppet, but it's like a living boat. And, and he just goes around and just fights everyone. So that's, yeah, that was the reference. Well, what I do know about Russell Crowe is he has a band called 30 Odd Foot of Grunts, which is some what? kind of you know Weird. Australian rock band. Huh. So does Gosling. Yeah, Gosling does have uh, really? Dead Man's Bones. Yeah. Um, so that's is cool. Jared Leto's got to be the only one with a successful Hollywood rock band, right? <laughs> like he's Dog Star. Hello. I mean, come on, dogs. But like Jared Leto is like semi-retiring again to go on tour. He's sort of an interesting. I feel like he became a sort of famous actor after the band though right after the band yeah oh okay all right i, I didn't know I like didn't know. no he's like he was like an actor but i don't think that he was like he became really famous from what 30 seconds to mars right yes yeah and then okay. oh that guy from fight club yeah exactly i gotcha gotcha he then he was getting sort of yeah oh gotcha yeah i think that i think the band propelled his superstardom into to his twisted future or whatever i don't know but yeah you're right like there's a lot of <laughs> shout out to now and again the episode that they just put out uh, a week ago as you're listening to this you know today as we're recording this they just put out an episode called deep hurting episode one which is all about different actors and sort of celebrities who oh. have vanity projects where they put out their own music so like paris hilton kim oh, kardashian man. oh god Logan Paul, even the YouTuber. 
Like all Bruce these, Willis. you know, it feels like every actor <laughs> wants to be a musician, and every musician wants to be an actor. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the only ones that can pull it off are the rappers for some reason. Drake. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're for so good. I agree, dude. The rappers kill it. Like Ice T, Drake. Like, all of these guys are the ones that I'm like, wow, they, like, did good. Hello, Cool J. I mean, yeah. Queen Latifah. Yep. Like, she's a great actor. 50 Cent in the Frozen Ground with that hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was, like, 70s hair, right? Or something. I don't know what it was. Gotta be something like 70s. It's something, you know, of a I could have pictured him as, like, the Keith David character in this movie, whom I fucking love, Keith David. Keith David, I will always think of as the president of the United States from the Saints Row video games. That In those games, he becomes... As himself, President Keith David, and he voices himself. Like, oh, it is... is that the Rick and Morty joke? Rick and Morty, sorry. In Rick and Morty, he's also the president of the United States. It might be oh. in reference to Saints Row because he's been the, he's been the president of Saints Row for like a decade now. Like he, you know, in all four oh, of those wow. games or whatever. I think he's ascended to the role of president. So it's that's awesome. Uh, great, yeah, 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 absolutely. He's he's great in this movie. I mean, he's not in this movie enough, I don't think. But you know, no. less time of him means more time of Gaz and Russell Crowe. And I think he's billed as old guy or something like that. Like I was watching some of the yeah. there's like two special features. And all of like their like no one has like real none of the bad guys have like real names exactly so I liked that his was just, like old guy <laughs> just yep. like the way like an extra would be cast or something. Love mm-hmm. it. Can we count down? I want to count down uh, Gosling's screams, squeals, yells, and I want to see if I missed okay. any. Okay. And then I have another countdown. Actually, I have I have Ooh. one of my own. So, oh. so the first one I saw was when uh, Russell Crowe comes to intimidate him, beat him up, send the message from Amelia, you and missed one he already. says, oh, "I did." What's the What's the one I missed? When he punches through the thing and cuts his wrist all open, he like screams there too, right? I don't know if he screams. He sort of squirms. It's like that's not one of those like high pitched like okay you know, shrills. Like he really lets a few of those go. Yes. Okay. Okay. Fair. 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 But the the first first one I wrote down, the first one I made note of, because I mean, the other thing to say is like, he is on the verge of mania this entire movie. Like, he is almost like, he's He's one little, yeah, he's drunk, for sure. He's drunk, but they're also like Abbott and Costello, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're caricatures to a degree, eat both of them. Like, Russell Crowe is way too calm, and uh, I feel like Gosling's way too manic. That's actually a perfect reference, because when he finds Sid Shattuck, he's basically doing a Lou Costello, where he's so scared he's unable to speak, but then is able to yell out Healy's name. He's so mortified, petrified, you know, like Costello finding the Frankenstein or the mummy or whatever, right? But he's just, like, terrified, unable to move. So you're absolutely right. Like, it is a straight guy and the comic relief, and who boy, do they both play the parts well in this movie. Yes. Agreed. So the first squeal that I have was when uh, Russell Crowe comes to intimidate him, and he says... Just tell the doctor you have a spiral fracture to the left <laughs> radius, breaks his wrist, and then Gosling squeals or cries there. That was my number yes. one. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but when he gets the cast on, somebody drew a goose or a Gosling on the cast. Yes, I did see this, <laughs> and it made me really, really happy. Yes. I thought it was a duck, but I like that it's a goose. <laughs> I mean, it is a duck, but we're just going to call it a, a gauze. At the very end of the movie, they toast to the birds, and both Gosling and Crow yes. are both birds. So. Oh, oh right. cool. Right. Nice. Nice catch, okay. my friend. Okay. Right? Well, I just stole that from IMDb. I did not catch that, but, you know. Oh, okay. I found it and I brought it up here, so I am going to take half credit for it. <laughs> okay, good. There's probably some I missed here, but the next one that I wrote 
down was after they go to that building to find Amelia and they in, they interrogate the bartender and they go up mm-hmm. the elevator and then down the elevator and then you know they see John Boy that killing everybody there. That was such a beautiful scene like the comic wow, relief so in that good. where they're like that's the smart idea like okay so we're gonna stay down here he said no I said that's the smart idea and then they like go up and they like look at each other and they're like door closed. That was like so Marx Brothers it was great like there's a lot of shout outs I feel to like old comedy throughout like Hollywood you know like little riffs and stuff yeah. but just when they like poke their heads out <laughs> and then like pull their heads back in it's just like perfect and they don't say anything they just go back down everybody's like yep that sounds about right <laughs> like, this is the kind of humor that like there's a lot of funny quibs and jokes in this but like I think the humor of shit like that like those scenes really crack me up like I would like laugh out loud at stuff like when they were doing this goofy shit a couple episodes ago on Wistful Thinking I talked about this short film that I saw at Fantastic Fest called Nothing's Little Soap and Water can't fix, which was basically like a Vimeo supercut of all different bathroom bathtub scenes. And so like in every movie that uses a bathtub scene, whether it's for murder or for sex or for masturbation or whatever, it sort of cuts between them all like it's like this one scene. I want to see a scene that is all elevator shots. That includes this elevator yes. shot. Yeah, that's, that's a the good Captain idea. America elevator shot. What movie did we just watch, Mike? That has the elevator shot that we talked about. We do because we referenced oh, Captain dear. America. Yeah, we did. We made that. Was it a same. Was it a Cage Club Revisited? We did. Oh, man, we do, did. So, so we talked about so many movies lately. I don't know, <laughs> but like, there's a lot of like really cool. I'm sure there's You're also right. like a lot of lame elevator shots and a lot of things where like you know the doors will close and the doors open and like you see sort of the aftermath of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what's what's unique about this is that like the elevator itself like. Really Really plays no part in the action. They just go up there to see it, and they're like, "Well, nope, got to turn around, go downstairs." <laughs> and then the Captain America scene is cool because like everything happens, you see everything in that ele- in the elevator. But I would love to see like a supercut of like the elevator, like the ups and downs or whatever they want to call it, like because there's so many cool <laughs> things. And like here, it's just like a, it's such a great comic, like physical bit of comedy and like timing and. It's just, it's just wonderful. Yep, agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. There's that one movie, Devil, that's set entirely in an oh, elevator. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 But yeah, they yeah. totally waste the premise. Like, it's a it's a supernatural thriller. Like, the devil is one of the people in the elevator. What's that about? Whatever. I think I, I, think I watched that. Or I think Rachel watched it, it and was, I fell asleep. Was it written or just produced by M. Night? Or was he in it? M. Night had a lot to do. I think he produced it. I'm not sure how... I'm not sure. But it's like the six people on the elevator and one of them is the devil, right? It's yeah, like, who's yeah, the yeah. devil? <laughs> That's what it should have been called. Who's the devil? Who's the devil? <laughs> but so after they come down on the elevator and they go outside, they go out into the car and he's like screaming and he, he squeals, oh, screams. She's fucking favorite. dead. And then she jumps, Amelia jumps on top of the car, jumps on the hood, shoots at them. And then the, the force of the bullet knocks her off the car, sort of passes out. And that's when they bring her home. Yeah. So that was squeal, scream number two that I had. This kicks off basically a mini stretch of the movie where it seems like he's screaming every like 30 seconds. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Because then he screams again when he falls asleep in the car and then Hannibal Burris shows up as that bumblebee in the back seat. I'm so glad I was right. I called like as soon as you started talking, I was like, is this Hannibal? And I was like, perfect. This is the perfect character. Killer bees. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wu-Tang. And then... After they get in the car crash and they find out it's not money, they realize that they've sort of been double-crossed. They go home to save Amelia, and they eventually get in the house, and, like, they see Amelia, and they see screams again there. Like, he's just jumpy and on edge here. Like, I guess sleep-deprived, drunk you know, high strung, and he's just screaming, 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 and it's just, it's great. Sounds like me. Sounds like me. (laughs) 
when you get into shootouts in your neighborhood when no, John Boy like, shows up? No, just like drunk and on edge. I think that's how I was at work all day today. <laughs> Joey, I, I was reminded watching this of another one of a, of a great, perhaps perfect movie out there, uh, Out of Sight. There's a gag where someone has tossed something out the window. Yes, so like, I think we talked about that. Uh, yeah, we talked about episode, this right? movie. We talked about this scene on that episode yep. when Ving Rhames tosses Clooney the wallet and it goes out the window. In this one, Russell Crowe's like, give me the gun, and Gosling tosses it to him and it goes <laughs> right out the window over his head. So also it's hilarious, so yeah, phys- a hilarious physical comedy. Like I, yeah, Just a great beat. I love it. And I have one other scream that I wrote down is that at the end, another great little bit of physical like, I feel like there's some movies and I, I mean, action movies aren't going to work well without the picture. I think a lot of comedies you could sort of listen to and not watch and they would work. This one there's so much happening on screen without words mm. that like yeah. you really need to like pay attention and this is another one where in that final shootout final action scene it's toward the beginning I think Gosling is using that rotating car as cover oh god yeah and it's the best. It, he, he like tries to time it so he, like he's gonna he's like psyching himself up to like you know jump out and shoot and he counts down he gets up and he's like completely disoriented because it's been turning <laughs> and then he gets like shot at and he squeals again and then like runs away like it's just so Good. Like there's like these little things you describe. I mean, th- I mean that that admittedly sounds really funny, but like there's so many things that are just like the way that they are performed, the way that they're written, the way that they're like just put on screen. It's just just so good. And I also think he delivers them well. So like we're like saying, okay, maybe it's the writing, and we're talking about how funny it is. But like his acting is carrying all of these goofy, quirky, little nuanced jokes. Like if he if he wasn't as funny as he was and like so straight faced then I don't think any of these would work. So I like to give him his props for this. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like there's, yeah, along with, like, just the great dialogue, like, there's a lot of great sight gags. Like, the rotation of the car. Like, you would miss that if you weren't watching, you know? Like, that, I I didn't pick up on that. I don't know if I did it, because I didn't, I saw this in theaters, and then I hadn't seen it in its entirety till last night. When that came up, I don't, did not recall how great that gag was. Uh, And then other stuff, just little things, like when, Kim Basinger offers him a mint like Russell Crowe gives him like a little look like you should take the mint like your breath smells like yeah. shit and and he takes like a few mints but like only one goes in his mouth yeah he and drops other, all the rest like, of them yeah I caught that too yeah yeah so like there's all these little extra beats thrown in here that are just great like there's no there's no air in this movie really you know what I'm saying like every inch is packed with something even like the little throwaway lines that are in different scenes like when going back to the beginning of the movie when like Russell Crowe comes over to to intimidate him and he beats Ryan Gosling up and he like caves immediately he's like please stop please stop. He's, like, he's like put a fork in me he's like no no wait wait don't actually put a fork in me like yes he's like, like throw away jokes that like could stop before you know like just like because the joke is that you know he's supposed to be like this tough guy detective and he's just gonna cave immediately like that's funny enough as it as it's as it is and then for him to have that extra line of like realizing in the moment what he said and like thinking that oh this is kind of the guy that might actually yeah. stick me with a fork like I better say that too like it's just mm. it's that added little bit of either you know writing or acting or whatever that is just it's it's like the it's a cherry on top of the cherry this is the exact same thing as when he says something about like the porno girl and he's like no the porno young lady and he like stops and corrects them it's just like you know because you're like in the moment and it's 
Yeah. I Russell Crowe says Misty Mountains, the porno actress, and he says the young lady, the porno young lady. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. just, oh, God. And then, like, right before that, he has one of my other favorite lines in the movie where... <laughs> Is this when he's in the he, bathroom? No, no, no. He's at, he's with his daughter and all of her daughter's friends at that bowling oh. alley like, at the birthday party <laughs> or whatever. And he goes, like, Jesus Christ. And Janet says, you took the Lord's name in vain. And he just goes, no, I didn't, Janet. I really enjoyed it. I find it very useful or whatever. Janet, and, and he says her name like four times. And and she's like this like 16-year-old girl. I'm like, he's like, he's, I just, I can't emphasize enough like how delightful he is in this. It's like they're equals, him and Janet. Like, oh, I can't believe Janet. Like, and they're even shit-talking Janet like behind her back. Like, he's yeah. always talking about like, you know, like, which one is like, is it the one I like or the one I don't like? He's like the worst dad but also the best dad like he's he's such a terrible father but like <laughs> he's raising like the coolest daughter because he just like he treats everybody like they're equals even though like they are very much not equals yeah i like when they finally have amelia and she's like back at his house and she's basically that's the scene where that she's explaining the whole plot basically yeah like she lays it out flat for you and i like I like the way they did it because it's filled with all these other little bits where, like, <laughs> she starts getting really loud and Goss starts, like, flinching <laughs> at her, like, whenever she's talking. So, And then when there's, like, a lull, he, he's like, I have neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, that's just perfect. Like, he's in the moment so hard. Well, everyone is, but, like, since we're focusing on him, I feel like he might be the best in this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, Russell Crowe's great, but Gosling is, like, yeah. fucking amazing in this. The mustache. You know, Joe, about that scene where she's sort of plot dumping and explaining everything that happens, Ryan Gosling says basically something like, you know, so let me get it straight. You made a porno film where the plot is the point? Yes! And I was thinking, I, yes. like we talked about in Magic Mike's, you know, our future yeah. idea for Too Fast, Too Forever is to do two porn parodies of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe Space Nuts, maybe John Dick, John Wank, whatever it actually is. And just talk <laughs> about them as films, not as pornos, but as like the actual plot. We just so totally love... skip all of the porn. Like, we don't describe any of the porn scenes. We just talk about the plot and the plot holes. Brilliant. I just wish that How Do You Like My Car, Big Boy was real, because Same. then we would be able to watch it for Too Fast, Too Forever. And it would be called How Do You Like My Car, Big Boy as like the name of the the it's porn, perfect. it will be so perfect. Actually, we should just Google it. I'm sure that there's a porno named How do, you, <laughs> How do You Like My Car, Big Boy at this point. So, Mike, you watch the special features. Is there anything on... Is there, is there like, a, a trailer for that movie or anything? Like, did they no. did they actually produce anything? Fuck. No, no, not... No, That's not, not Not released, so... Uh, bummer. Yeah, it is a little bit of a bummer, considering if you watch the trailer, they sort of treat it like it's a movie that was released in the 70s. Like, it's got the older Warner Brothers... This movie even starts with the old Warner Brother logo. Yep. You know, it's got the red, black and white one but I feel like the trailer went like the extra mile to a degree with like some of the font and everything like that yeah that would have been great promotional apparently stuff. Warner Brothers also did Inherent Vice and they did a lot of the similar things there they're similar type of films too. they are yeah but that yeah. is that's one guy on his I feel like that gets a little longer because it's just Doc on it's his difficult to quest. watch and it's like intentionally difficult to watch I mean the book is like you know the book is like impenetrable like it's so confusing hmm. like intentionally and like the whole point yeah. of that movie is that like nothing matters like i think it's like yeah. you know no matter what you do no matter who what you try to do nothing matters the sun goes up the sun went down <laughs> yeah no yeah i hear that totally yeah that guy's in a bit more of a fog i think that's more of an existential yeah. sort of something behind that one and this is just we want to have like a great time like we're going to harken back to the old noir films but we're also going to sort of throw in some gangster films some cowboy stuff and it's just going to be like a 
rocking American time, I feel, you know, we're dealing with lots of old Hollywood, new Hollywood. It's just a real tight mix. I just really love it because I just feel like it's got the spirit of film in it and it really shines through. And I don't know, I've been watching, rewatching a lot of stuff lately and a lot of good stuff. And like, this just is really at the top of the pile. I like that. I know that you guys like it, but I think that this does the old Hollywood so much better than La La Land tries to do. Well, La La Land doesn't, I mean, I, again, I got to defend it because it's my, I know. My place I'll defend it a little. Long. I don't think, like, it's not really trying to do old Hollywood. It's just trying to say, like, hey, we love it. And, like, this is a love letter to it. Like, this actually just, like, goes out and recreates it. Yeah. And I think it's a different kind of love letter. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they're different aspects. Like, not necessarily different eras, but different genres. They're in love with different things about the past. <laughs> like, there's no... Earth, Wind, and Fire shows up, which is cool. They recreated that. Yeah. Like, there's music in this, but it's not, like gonna go into the musical direction it's more interested in like comedy yeah but i was saying just purely based on like the showing la point and like romanticizing oh, okay. la like from that yeah. aspect like i hated oh, yeah. oh i don't feel like this romanticizes no. it necessarily like I, it starts it with does, the old hollywood like a... sign that's like burned to the ground almost i think they're romanticizing the complete opposite things like they're both romantic visions of the past but hmm. i think la la land is saying like you know, stuff might be shitty today, but, like, look how nice things were back then, like, where everybody was, everything was bright and colorful, and, like, everybody sang songs, and everybody had a happy ending, even if it wasn't the happy ending you wanted or whatever, and here, I feel like they're almost like, everything today is too clean and too tight and too ordered, like, look how grimy and gritty and real that was, like, it's the opposite right. of the yeah. spectrum, but I think Joe's right in that they're both romantic visions of a past that, like, didn't necessarily exist, like, the, the reality was somewhere mm -hmm. in between the two. Yeah, true, but I just like this version better. That was oh, yeah. that was my whole no, point. I, mean, I like I like be... the grittiness. This kind of like showing you some more raw, as much as you can see in like a oh, film, yeah. as opposed to like the look at how pretty it was, you know, like that. So there was a La La Land moment for me in here though, where uh, towards the end, when one of the guys has his daughter and he's like, "I got the gun to your daughter's spine," and he turns around with his sunglasses on and he just like does a little bit of scatting. He's like, "Beedy de boop." Pop. Yes. <laughs> he's like what's the name of that that's that song go again i was like holy shit he's doing jazz <laughs> i do want to say as much as you don't like la la land we are four movies into his filmography next up is the big short to have five movies in his last five that he's made and the worst being song the song which is like still fine like it's amazing how tightly packed all of these great great movies are yeah like it's like we are not struggling through early channing but like you know we are starting at the it's beginning a lot of channing where he's yeah you know things are not great always no but here like we are being treated to like gem after gem even if they're not your speed yeah I, you were at least admitting you know like la la land for what it wants to be is exactly what it wants to be and like people love i that. just don't like that yeah exactly, exactly. That was the point that I came to at the end of it, and that's where I stand. And, like, I get it. I respect it. I just don't have to like it. So Yeah, I'm not going to make you like it. Cool. Uh, Mike, what did you want to count down? What, what was your uh, thing? Oh. Did we go through that already? No. Gosling's Hitler references. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> I have at least yes. three. Oh, okay, I got four. Okay, go for it. So the first one is when he tells his daughter to stay at Jennifer or Janet or whatever, and he goes, which one is that, with the Hitler stash? Yes. Oh, yeah. So he's talking about, like you said, like a teenage girl. Um, <laughs> that's the first one. The second one, I, I think it was when they're at the bar at the hotel or the motel, or someone says they're just following orders, man, and he goes, you know who was following orders? <laughs> Hitler. Yeah. 
And he like winks at uh, Russell Crowe, and Russell Crowe's like, what? Whatever. The third one was when they're talking about this was the one at the motel where the guy's like, hey, he's got bodyguards without the balls, and the guy and Gosling's like, Munichs. <laughs> yeah. He's like, not Munichs, but but he's like, didn't Hitler have one ball? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's the elevator. That? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, yep. when Kim Basinger starts talking, he just starts going like, and she's like, what are you saying? And Russell Crowe's like, I believe he's making a uh, connection between you and Adolf Hitler. I like that he had to explain it. That made me really happy that they like left in the like, instead of him just doing it, Russell Crowe has to explain that he's calling her Hitler. Like, Well, because I think, I think what's funny about that is like when he's doing that, I was thinking that, you know, obviously she saw them and obviously she knows who they are because like they essentially got her to this place but at the same time i was like is he dumb enough to like try to like speak german so like maybe she won't recognize them but then there's that again there's that extra layer that like he explains like oh no he's just doing that because he thinks you're hitler that's what it's just it's just good it's just so good yeah yeah and i think it goes to show that russell crowe and him have like grown together like he he has picked up on these hitler references also (laughs) throughout the case and now they've bonded like i think it just shows like he understands gosling at this point now and they've won so they they're feeling great and everything and so he's like rubbing in on the uh on the wound there i have a couple other really prime gosling moments i love in this movie one time when they go to the party where uh holly follows them in the trunk and she's sort of doing her own detective work and actually does more good than either of them do really yeah uh, you know who she reminded me of nancy drew yes just to why not throw in like more detectives like i was mentioning they were sort of like the inept hardy boys earlier on but like she straight up is like nancy drew teen detective like doing on the case like she's the what better was the one. one that fucking um the crazy chick was amanda Bynes. what was that one what was harriet, her name no no michelle trachtenberg was harriet the spy wasn't she uh um no who was I used to read encyclopedia brown there was a amanda Bynes one that was i thought it was supposed to be she was a detective maybe not okay it could have been that she just thought she might have been a detective at some point no. yeah I don't think there was one. Are you sure you're not thinking about Michelle Trachtenberg, who sort of looks like Amanda Bynes, but older than Amanda Bynes? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think I just Harry mixed the Spy, them. you know, she was my first crush, Harriet the Spy, Michelle Trachtenberg, in that movie. So that is really a special place in my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I talked about that a lot on a couple different episodes of Wistful Thinking. So when they're at that party and Holly is doing her detective work, her little Nancy Drew work, Gosling finds out that the drinks are free and immediately gets, like, blackout drunk. And goes to talk <laughs> me. Uh, to those so girls. me. That's a super relatable character. And he 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 says, you know, I'm looking for a girl. My name is Amelia. And like he just I like, can't get anything. But like he's so <laughs> charming. When you find me, like tell Gosling. me my name. They're just sort of playing nice with him, but they're just being polite. But then like a minute later, he sees the two mermaids topless making out in the pool, and he jumps in and follows. He swims after the mermaids. Yeah. Like it's so wonderful. And then later he's like, yeah, I went in the pool. And Russell Crowe's like, he went in the pool. Like what? <laughs> like what were you doing? But he's chasing mermaids man <laughs> he's he's wet three times in the opening in the bathtub oh he's so in the was pool i with the mermaids and then at the end he's in <laughs> he falls into the pool again at the end but i love that that party sequence is one of my favorite it might be my favorite part of the movie though like i love when he sees the girl just as pocahontas and he's sort of like course corrects himself a little bit and yes. like adjusts his sort of like his stance and struts over and it may be my favorite line of the movie it's so dumb but he just goes i'm a cowboy <laughs> who are you I don't know <laughs> yeah it's the best and that's when she like does the fate he's like shoot me shoot me shoot me uh and he like 
flips off over down the hill. Yeah, like, he's also very clumsy. Like he's got a falling problem. <laughs> I think it's just part of the drunkardness, but probably it's great. But let's talk about those other two wet scenes because he opens in the bathtub, and I cut you off at the beginning of this podcast when you were when you thought that I skipped that. But he opens sort of depressed, fully submerged. Doesn't feel like he has. A, he's like feels like he's a man with nothing going in his life. But he's <laughs> a daughter, and the daughter's cool. Like yeah, she's awesome. I don't know. It's just you know he's sort of depressed. Oh, did you catch? I mean, I've seen it three times now, but what he's watching on TV is a news report about Detroit and the catalytic converter trial oh, which there you go. is like that. awesome setup yeah, yeah it's just like there and if you're watching the movie you're like that means nothing but like it means everything it's so cool it's the same thing like when Misty Mountains crashes and dies and she says to the boy how do you like my car big boy it sort of seems like yes I'm in this fancy mm-hmm. car like how do you like this but it's actually talking about the name of the porno like that's you know what she was killed for or whatever then at the end of the movie well actually between the beginning and the end of the movie they talk about how a guy saw Nixon before he died and it's like is that is that normal and then so gosling and john boy who else falls out the roof with him it's not john boy is it keith david old man yeah it's keith david they both fall out gosling shoots him three times they both fall out a window keith david splats into a bloody pile like graphically gosling falls into the pool looks up in this like really cool like you know second i can only think of like one other cool in pool shot that looks better than that it's like when skyler is in the pool of breaking bad shot by yeah ryan johnson in that episode but it's the same thing like he's just sort of like floating there maybe about to die looks up sees richard nixon that basically scares the shit out of him and he like gets out of the pool like that's all the motivation he needs to get out of there and he just gets on you know then goes into what Mike was calling like the, the the Rube Goldberg machine of this final sequence. Like it's just, whew, it's just great. Dude, that that part when um, they're going to pick up, they don't know, but they're picking up the fake money from the Department of Justice girl. Um, yeah, the and, secretary. And they have like that. Yeah. yeah, the secretary. And they have like that quick little conversation about the Nixon story. And I thought it was great, but Gosling's like, I don't get it. And he's like, Are you trying to tell me that there's two sides of seeing something? And he's like, Why didn't you just say that? What did you say? And he's like upset. Because he like had this whole roundabout story about Nixon to try and ex- just say something so simple. I don't know. It's just this little moment that was just so perfect between them. It's like weirdly consistent with his character, though, because like another one of the great jokes in this movie is when he tells his daughter, like, don't say and stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then she's at the party and the girl's like, they were doing anal and stuff. And she's like, don't say and say enough. Just say they were doing anal. <laughs> exactly. Because at the party, when they first get to the party, Holly says, Dad, there's there's like whores here and stuff. She says, he says, sweetheart, how many times have I told you don't? And you think it's going to say like, don't say whores. Say whores, says, yeah. Don't say and stuff. Just say, Dad, there are whores here. And it's like, <laughs> man, it's so good. But like, I feel like it's, it's completely different than the Nixon thing. But I feel like he's like this kind of guy who like has no time for nonsense, even though like everything he does could be perceived as nonsense sense by the outside world like he feels like his time is so valuable like don't waste my time with wordy stories don't say extra words but he's just out there like you know getting hammered and just trying to steal money from people or not steal money from people but like drive up the you know the day rates so that he can just sort of drink on the job and extend cases that he could solve quickly amen that's how you do it it's the american dream man you know what i really liked about this movie too is like about halfway through a little earlier for goss but about halfway through this movie you find something out about both of these characters like is revealed and with russell crowe you find out he's the diner guy and you get like that little story about how he saved the day for no pay but with gosling you find out that he's got no sense of smell yes that he got like hit in the head a while back that's the only explanation we get is that he got and i totally believe like he's been hit in the head just like a lot (laughs) yeah i just thought that was that was cool like we it just gets dropped like halfway through the movie and it's not like a huge thing but you find out that's 
partially why how his wife died. Well, it's ex- it's like it's it's almost entirely why his wife died. That his wife was complaining about this smell and he couldn't smell it. And then you know the the house blew up and burned down. And, yeah. You know she was inside. So it's like this sort of afterthought. Like this is like this joke characteristic of him. And then it turns out like that is sort of not like the bane of his existence. It's like tragic. Like, it's why he's an alcoholic. It's why his life is in pieces because getting hit on the head essentially killed his wife in a way. So when I was watching the diner scene, all I could think of is it. It only takes one good guy without a gun to stop a violent crime. There you go, Joe. It only takes one good guy. Russell Crowe was unarmed and took down a guy with a shotgun. Exactly. I think everybody... What are we going to do? Arm waitresses? (laughs) I mean... That's that's all I wanted to say. It's a slippery slope, my friend. (laughs) Speaking of weapons and sort of defense, another thing, you know, we were talking... I just edited today, Mike, the episode of Trapped. And you were talking about how you saw, oh. you saw things in that bad movie that like you'd never seen in a kidnapping movie before. In this movie, I see something that like I might have seen before, but I feel like it's not as effective as is here. When Holly tries to save them from you know Kim Basinger's aide, who has double crossed <laughs> them again, and Gosling is still in love with, still complimenting her, you know, like you don't look like a murderer. Like your hair looks great. Like, I, like yeah, all you this, look like, great. He's like three times. You know, one time may, might be an accident, but <laughs> she's killed three people. I don't think it's you know, a change of heart. (laughs) It's going to do anything. Holly shows up pretending to be room service and the woman is not fooled at all because she is much smarter than Gosling and, you know, if, if Holly is learning from the best... You know, she seems much smarter than him, but, like, she's still learning from Gosling, so, you know, how, yeah. how smart can she be? She then throws the coffee at her, and you're expecting, like, this, like, reaction, but it's cold coffee? And she's like, what did you do yes. that for? And then she takes a step and slips, and I thought that, that, like, that might have happened in other movies before, but, like, I don't think it's ever as effective as it is here. Like, it just, she expects it to be hot, it's not, she's like, oh, this is nothing, and then And everybody just, like, and stops falls. and is like... Huh, interesting. And then, and then she slips and falls. Yep. Yeah. Which I love. And then a couple scenes later, when she's chasing after that film canister in that Rube Goldberg scene, that final, you know, action scene. Yeah. I don't know if you caught it, but like she dives mm-hmm. for it, like hits her head hard on the corner, yeah. like the cement corner, and like she is way dead in this movie. Like, she's <laughs> she's gonna lose her sense of smell with that hit that, the sure. <laughs> that coffee scene, I laugh so effing hard at that scene because like in in the quote unquote other movie, you know, like it would be hot coffee. Like that would be the gag. And it would be too easy. But we're dealing with Shane Black here. So like, you know, there's two beats to it. Like not only is the coffee cold and not harmful, it's like actually is harmful because it's slippery, you know, and the sort of like smartest person in the room is revealed not to be is like sort of brought down a level because she basically slips on a banana peel. Exactly. <laughs> like she is yeah, she it's a punchline thing. So it's great. It and it, Holly is like the smartest person there. So it's awesome. I love it. Should you have any other notes about this before we get into the games? Maybe I think we could sort of gush about this movie for a lot longer, but we've been going for a while. I'm, just, I'm looking through my notes to see if there's anything else, but... Couple, yeah, go ahead. Uh, like, little lines that I really liked is when they go in and they meet the head of the Department of Justice. She's like, I, I, I spend the rest of my time doing porn or, like, watching porn or something. He's like, oh, oh which yeah. ones do you like? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, like, what are you into? Like, what do you like to watch and whatever? And, she's, and he's, like, anti-porn, and he's like... And so he goes to write, he's like, should I be taking notes on this? He writes down, <laughs> porn is bad. And that's what he just, like, said. So good. Yep. That one. 
my other favorite one was back to the Munich thing when he's like he had their balls removed and he's like what's that called he's like marriage and he's like no though because <laughs> oh, that was yes. Russell Crowe I really like that joke a lot and shout then, out Rachel shout out Rachel thanks for listening if you are <laughs> he's got a couple stabs at marriage throughout like that's how he's been scoring there's that great oh man Russell Crowe's spit take might be the best spit take of all time in this movie when he's um, talking about betrayal and then they just cut to him and his wife at dinner and she's like I'm fucking your dad yeah yeah I agree I forgot about that one but it's I a just... spit take in a flashback like it's this like wonderful yes. little like rem- like remembrance of a spit take like it just it works really well what's great I mean it only shows it once but like you would think that like he probably thinks about that moment a lot like that's you know when things all start to mm-hmm. go bad and like every time he thinks about <laughs> it he thinks of the spit take Whew. I would think about that every day <laughs> Lastly, for me personally, one of my favorites is at the very end of the movie when Gosling comes up to him and he goes, "Well, at least you're drinking again." And he's like, "Yeah, it's saying <laughs> like it's like like instead of like at least you're not drinking, he's like at least you started drinking again." <laughs> and that just made me really happy. It was a great like note to send the movie off on for me. We have not talked about one of my, I mean, there's so many favorite scenes in this movie, but they go to find Amelia and they go to her school and there's all the <laughs> dead people, the quote unquote dead people on the steps, the dead birds. They're protesting. The the birds about the air and he's just like you know just like oh the gas mask didn't save him they don't have anything to say then he says which of you cock and balls wants to make 20 bucks oh this scene is- <laughs> the, the kid brings them to where he last saw amelia oh yeah oh fuck which is yeah this house where that got burnt down because they were trying to burn down the the tape uh, burn the reel up yep the the, the master tape yeah, or whatever they, i think it's the only one and they get there and then this little kid rolls by on a bike who's probably like 12 and he's <laughs> This kid, like, I don't even know where to begin with this He's kid. a fucking sage, yeah. He just knows everything. <laughs> it's like, you don't expect, like, the character that, like, what's, it's like the wise black janitor or whatever, right? Don't we talk about this? The, the magical, the mystical Negro, yes. Yeah. yeah, or in noir, it's like the informant or something, or, you know, or like the Weasley, like, guy around the corner who is at the bar or at the gas station or whatever, yeah. Yeah, but here they choose great. to make it like a small child on a bicycle, which is perfect. And not only is it a small child on a bicycle, but he's talking about how he's got a big dick and do you guys want to see my dick <laughs> and they're like what no like nobody wants to see that and then like ryan gosling says something like something about 20 bucks he's like that's not what i meant like i didn't i didn't like we, nobody wants to see your dick like it's like this weird <laughs> like this kid just comes out of nowhere like literally just bikes on screen is amazing fills in all makes... the plot holes for them that they're missing so far yeah and then like yeah. it's just like i got a big dick do you want to see it <laughs> Mike, do you have any other things you want to you want to bring you want to mention before we get to the games and the other segments? Real quick ones. Uh, I th- Goss had another line. I think it was right around that time with the kid. Right after that scene where he just goes, "The days of ladies and gentlemen are over." Yes, I just thought that was just really great. There's a whole thing in the beginning with Russell Crowe talking about kids these days and and all that and everything. So I thought that was cool. Shout out to the YooHoo. I thought oh, that was great. Yeah. Um, I was thinking if this was too fast, too forever, we could be enjoying some nice, cool YooHoo right now, Joe. We but- have no sponsors. <laughs> for this no sponsors this. no Sorry. but there's so much car stuff related in this movie you know yes. all the stuff about detroit american muscle and the last thing is that we haven't talked about and i thought it was going to be the material for the show i thought we were going to go with dollar bill or something but gosling's little shirt origami of the bribe he tries to give so he goes to a bar earlier looking for amelia and he wants to see the credit receipts or something and he tries to slip the guy like a 20 but it's like a little origami shirt 
Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember this. I remember this. I thought that, I mean, I fucking died laughing when that (laughs) happened. And the guy just grabs a baseball bat from behind the counter. (laughs) You know, related to that, another material it could have been is the bad breath tie at the end when they're in the the diner at the end where Gosling's like, you you want to see the bad breath tie and he breathes on it and nothing happens. Dude, I'm so going to use that joke on Rachel next time that I have a tie on. I'm so going to use that joke. It's perfect. Russell Crowe breathes on it and he just like sort of crumples the tie in his hand. Yeah, you like pull your thumb down and it wilts. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm going to do that. My only other note about the movie is a little bit of trivia that I found on IMDb is that in the background of one scene, there's a porno theater playing a movie called Bang Bang Kiss Kiss, which is... Oh, that's Kiss, cool. Kiss, there's a, I think there's a Jack Reacher movie playing, too. Uh, not Jack Reacher, I'm sorry. Um, the guy from Jack from um, Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of different... Like, on IMDb, like, I cut a bunch of them out, but there's a lot of, like, lines and references and, like, background gags to all of Jack the Slater, right? Yes. Is it Jack Slater? I think so. Okay, yeah. So there's like a, I think it might be Jack Slater 1 or whatever was out in 77. Yeah, so there's a lot of different things that like Shane Black sort of references all of his other movies in this in one way or another. So if you want to check those out, go on uh, IMDb and look at those. Again, I mean, go watch all of his movies. Like, Joe, if you've not seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, like if you like I this, haven't. Okay. you will love, like that's, I yeah. think, even better than this. That's like, great. That okay. is so goddamn good. Okay. Um, it makes me want to watch that again. It makes me want to watch Iron Man 3 again. It makes me want to watch all of them again. The first segment we really can't play just because unless I unless drink. I forget something. No, no, no. Yeah, well, yeah, drink. <laughs> if, if Since we can't play the segment, uh, drink. But we have a new segment that we came up with last time, Joe. I don't know if you remembered it because I forgot it until I was looking at the spreadsheet. Hey, guys, what's in your hands? What's in your hands, guys? What's in your hands? What's in your hands, guys? And that's a recap of all the musical instruments that he played in the movie. And yes. I don't think he played anything in this. He did not, but there was a band. We learned that Russell Crowe has a band, too. Yep. So, um, although he's not playing an instrument besides his gun, <laughs> yeah. There is also, as Mike mentioned earlier, Ryan Gosling does sort of scat or doo-wop or whatever in this. Which is, end, yeah, so. close. Very close. We were, we were almost there. We yeah. were almost there. Okay. The, the voice is a musical instrument, but Absolutely. I guess you don't hold it. But I don't know. It is. What's in your throat? <laughs> That's a whole other segment. <laughs> Play who's in my mouth. Especially with all like the porn talk in this movie. Exactly. The one girl walks by screen and she goes, "Well, if you if you want me to do that, then don't eat the asparagus." Yeah, I know that that like the the dead joke. I love those. What, what is this called? It's a it's a vehicle. When you just say just the punchline, like they have the one in Orange is the New Black. Like he was a vegetable, not an eggplant or whatever, something like this. Remember this? Just like when you just when you just say the punchline, like you like start the scene with just the punchline or what? Yeah, it's like when you don't know the beginning of a joke, like a lot of... You don't, you don't remember from like the first or second season of Orange is the New Black where Red keeps saying like... It, like everybody says the joke. And it's just like, he's a vegetable. And everybody's like, ha 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 And they like all <laughs> laugh at the joke, but you never hear the beginning of the joke. You don't, don't know this? that at all, no. Okay. I do know that's tough to pull off and it's they pull it off here. Yeah, if you want me to do that, don't eat the asparagus. I was like, perfect. <laughs> The next segment we have is mailbag. We have an email address, boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. If you want to write in, let us know what you think of the show, what you think of the movies, what you think of us, what you think of resident historian Mike Manzi, what you think of the drinking game, which you can find at facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. Do you make people sign a waiver? We put a disclaimer at the bottom, please drink responsibly, i.e. Okay. not like Joe too. So I think legally... <laughs> 
we are free of all repercussions. You're in the clear. Yeah. Good. We have three emails today, Joe. Three emails? Shit. Okay. Three is the magic number, guys, so congratulations. Third Thank time's you. the charm on these emails for True. sure. First Shout email. Out. Back from the dead, Joe, we have Jess Montez. Montez. Drink. Go ahead. How did she pass away last time? Well, she just has been busy with work, and she hasn't been emailing us much. MIA. And so we've been giving her shit literally every episode. But she finally... You know what really actually, I think, brought her back? Is the news and then the release of a new Zack attack. I feel like that motivated her. Because she wants to listen. She tells me every time that we talk, she wants to listen. She just doesn't have time. So I know she wants to. She wants to be sending emails. She finally did here. So shout out Jess Montez. Subject line, all capital letters, guys. Classic jess montez subject line yes she says i'm still here i'm loving boy for material and much like zach attack i'm ready to hear how you guys feel about movies i've been watching for years in it for the long haul so thank you jess montez we would expect nothing less from you she goes on she says in the immortal and then parentheses maybe words of ryan gosling i think i'm invincible it's the only thing that makes sense. I don't <laughs> oh, think I can die. Nice. That is from this movie. Yes. Then she says, P.S. So glad you guys started with La La Land and not Song to Song would have been a horrible intro to a show, which that was the whole point of why I yes, started with La La Land. For sure. That Song to Song, not bad, but not with the great conversation. I still think that the La La Land episode was one of our best episodes. I mean, I think we're, we're pretty good at this podcasting thing by now, Joe, if I if I do say so myself. Think and I think that was a pretty good episode. Okay. Yeah, that was. We came to like a nice, we dug into the bones of La La Land, so yep. we like really picked apart why I didn't like it and why you like it so much, and, and I think we got closer to the middle by the end of it, so. Absolutely. So shout out Jess Montez. Thank, Thank you, you Jess for Montez for us. sending an email. Thank you. Next email from Jenny McMullen, our new super fan, replacing Jess Montez atop the leaderboard. <laughs> At least in the short term. She says, subject line, serial pick. She says, just walking down the cereal aisle in the local grocery store <laughs> trying to decide which nice. cereal pick you guys would like best. Is this one close? And she sends Let this picture, see. which I am putting into Discord right now. Let me see. I think it's rotated sideways just because it came in weird, but she sent it right way. I don't know. It's, it's right way up. Oh, check that out. It is Super Mario Cereal, or to be abbreviated, Super Cereal. Ooh, I didn't even know that they make this. When I was a kid, they had Nintendo Cereal. Half of it was Super Mario, half of it was Zelda. Whoa. And it, tastes, it tastes like poison. Wow. <laughs> but I ate that shit. <laughs> of course you did, yeah. I That's would the best eat this. This looks like Lucky Charms. It looks like... It is Lucky Charms. It is Lucky Charms. Yeah. It's for Super Mario Odyssey. There's an amiibo thing. I don't know if you put the amiibo on it, or you scan that, or what you You scan the whole box? Don't know. The box is the amiibo, folks. But I don't know about uh, Joe or Mike. I think they agree with me, but I definitely approve of this. This is a great cereal that I now want to go out and find and try, because it looks great. Yeah. I ate some cereal today. I ate some uh, sugar corn pops for lunch because like that was pretty much the only thing I could get in my stomach from being so hungover. That's what I had for lunch today. (laughs) I I did my boyfriend's cereal duties. Thank you. I actually ate cereal today too. What'd you eat? Crispix. Crispix. The Uh, blue box. They're just, they're, yeah, they're pretty, they're just lame corn flake type. Bland. But hey, cereal. I do want to mention as we are talking about cereal, every Thursday this month in March, I am posting on the Cage Club Facebook and Twitter <laughs> our March Madness of Breakfast Foods Oh, true. Tournament. There wasn't enough materials in there. I created with my Fantasy Baseball League drink. We are <laughs> trying to figure out the best breakfast foods. So we have four different brackets 
four different regions. We have the eggs and legs, which is basically eggs and meats. We have the pastries. We have the juices and side dishes. And then we have a whole bracket full of cereal. And we put number one, Honey Nut Cheerios. Again, so I don't know. We're recording this a little bit in advance. As you're listening to this, tomorrow will be the Elite Eight. So we'll be down to the top two of each wow. bracket. So go vote. But we put down number one, I find Honey these Nut really Cheerios. Fun. By the way, because we're all big fans of the wire. Omar loves his honey nut. What? No honey nut? We thought it was going to be like a runaway favorite. It almost lost in the first round because it went up against 16 Reese's Puffs. People love the Reese's Puffs. Apparently. Honey Nut's still alive, at least in the Sweet 16. I don't know how it's going to fare between now and next week. But go vote. If you care about boyfriend material and you care about boyfriend material, go determine what the best breakfast food is. So we have a couple more rounds of voting. Go do that, please. Nice. So I guess we haven't really talked about that. So what is the what's your favorite my cereal? Oh, dude, I have so many. I have so many favorites. Like I, I do fucking love cereal. I don't eat enough of it, but I really enjoy it. I think top tier for me is Honey Bunches of Oats for like grains category. Okay. Like fun category, I would go Apple Jacks is like OG for me. Like I can really? eat boxes. Okay. And, I can eat boxes and boxes of Apple Jacks. I like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I like French Toast Crunch. I, fucking everything. But like those two <laughs> for me are like those are like two that I could just eat. And I like regular Cheerios too. Just like straight Cheerios. I would say my top two are the Honey Nut Cheerios, even independent of the wire. I just love the Honey Nut. Same. And then I also really truly love Raisin Bran Crunch. Ugh, you get that God. raisin bran. You get the bran. You get the raisin, and then you get like the, the the crunches. You're boy, oh boy. You are a raisin bran crunch. I knew it. <laughs> I take it as a compliment because it's delicious. I also, of course, I do love Reese's Puffs. I do love cinnamon toast crunch. Um, not that any cereal is really healthy for you. Any of these like main cereals. <laughs> yeah, they're not that I really eat any of these for those things. But you know, try not to eat just the hundred percent pure sugar. And then I also do love, of course, Lucky Charms. And I do want to try this Mario cereal because Same. it looks. Same. Mike, how about your two? Yeah, so lately I've been off the sugar stuff. Like I've been doing the real lame, just like the cornflakes and stuff. But I, my my jam, my jams were these. These were the three. These were my top three. So I had the the honeycombs. Sure. Oh, um, good. What were, what are they? I have. It's been so long. The gram. What are they? Graham, golden honey gram? Golden grams. Yeah. Golden so grams golden grams. Yes. Oh man. Ever since I was like two with the golden grams. <laughs> so those two, and then I just wanted there was a third one. I usually I a lot of the kicks, but that's not sugar. I love kicks. Good. I like kicks. I do love kicks. Dude. Those are great. Yeah. Um, I was a big, I was a big Captain Crunch guy growing up. Captain Crunch is good. Captain Crunch is Captain berries. Crunch is the all berries. Is... All of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look in my, if you look in my cupboard right now, it's basically it's lame. It's like Crispix, like. I, mean, I got the Honey Nut Cheerios, so it's not that lame, I guess. Those are just a staple, uh, I guess, for in everyone's home. And then I got the cornflakes now. So I'm kind of off the sugar stuff, but I'm still eating the cereal. That's good. That's good. I'm glad that you're off the sugar stuff. It's probably for the best. We want to let you be the resident historian for as long as possible. So For the rest of history. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which I control, which is why I'm the historian. You yes. are the timekeeper. You we didn't get into that. It's not that I'm like know a lot about history. It's that I actually control time <laughs> the last email that we got also from jenny mcmullen subject line look what i thank found. you for two emails jenny thank you shout out jenny she says when i was shopping with a friend so appropriate after the last episode but i don't think it's related to our favorite ryan knew you guys would probably get a kick out of it though jenny and she sent a picture which i'm putting in discord now oh yeah um, gosling's rum gosling's That's black seal bermuda black rum I've never seen this. I don't. I don't buy a lot of hard liquor. I do love that there's an actual seal on there balancing a barrel of the rum. As you know, we don't have our resident bartender Rachel to help, and I usually fuck these all up. 
but I really feel like Gosling's rum is specifically used to make like some kind of drink. Like I think it's like one of the tiki drinks. Oh. Do you know like do you know about tiki huh. drinks? Do you guys know about this? But like, do you did you ever see that? Oh man, this is like going back to like 2004 or five. But there was a show called Tiki Bar. It was like a podcast, a video podcast oh. that they make like all the tiki, tiki drinks, drinks basically. Yeah, but you like, know that they have like so you do know that they have like all of these rules, right? Like tiki yeah. drinks are like this liquor this much juice, this kind of line, you know what I mean? Like, they're, like, right. very strict. very specific. And I think that one of the tiki drinks uses Gosling's rum. Also in this picture, which we didn't mention, is Diplomatico on the right there of Jenny's picture is a really, really great rum, and it actually is so good you can drink it straight. The tequila, sister, the sister bar to the tequila bar that Rachel works at um, is a rum bar, and I was in there, and I wanted some kind of bourbon, and I kept asking for bourbon. They didn't have the ones that I wanted, and the and we knew the bartender, so he was like, dude, have you ever had this rum, though? Try it. And I drank some Diplomatico just, like, straight, and it's fucking awesome. You can just drink it like bourbon, so great choice, too. So that's all. That's all the emails that we have. Uh, email us, boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.com. We will read we'll anything. Next month. And thank you, Jess Montez, and thank you, Jenny, for sending emails. You know we love them, and we appreciate it. Thank you. Shout out, Rachel. Rachel, if you want to if you want to write in and give us the recipe, whatever Gosling's rum is used for, maybe that could be the official drink of Boyfriend oh. Material. Who oh. knows? Not because Coronas. we have Channing's Born and Bred Vodka for that we do. one. For Too Fast, Too Forever, we of course have Corona. For Zack Attack, we have Jungle Juice, unofficially. <laughs> and then for this, did we have a drink or were we sort of like kicking some things around we were we were just kicking some things around so maybe it's a gosling's rum yeah because we were saying like he feels like he should have a tequila what was his what would his liquor be remember oh we were right right about right this? right 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 yeah oh wait someone said in this movie something um what kind of martini in the beginning uh, it was like a different mart he goes ill like disgusting or gross or something I, he asked about the drink that the girl had and he just he had the best reaction oh <laughs> it was, like, a, it was a bourbon martini i think bourbon martini what yeah. the like, fuck is that oh yeah, that does sound weird. Okay. He's just like, that's gross. I actually found the drink, and I was right. It's Dark and Stormies. Dark and Stormies are traditionally made only with Gosling's, and they registered as a trademark of Gosling's rum. Well, Rachel, email us anyway. Yes, please. At Send the pictures of cereal. Anybody out there, again, we will read whatever you write in. So please just email us, boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. I just realized, begging for emails... Take a drink. Take a drink. Next game, we have the Google game. Mike, you know this from every podcast that me and Joe have done. I'm going to Google Ryan Gosling, the nice guys. Oh, I got some good. I got some good. I got some good guesses. Okay, go ahead. So before we do the guesses, there's a couple that are just the sort of generic ones we're not going to do. We have trailer. We have cast. We have poster, which I think is new. Hmm. And then we have one that I've definitely never seen because it's a very sort sort of oddly specific wording. The Nice Guys starring Ryan Gosling. So I don't know why anybody's Googling <laughs> that, but that's apparently an autocomplete. So, okay. Joe, there are two, and Mike, there are two autocompletes for you to guess. They are, after just the, the no autocomplete, they are numbers two and three. The, the, the next two, what are the two things people are searching for when they're searching for Ryan Gosling, The Nice Guys? Number one guess from me, soundtrack. Nope. Fuck. Mustache. Nope, but Mike is closer. Huh. Hair? No, but you're sort of in that sort of physical appearance. Weird. Nope. Sunglasses? Cast? Sunglasses. Who said sunglasses? Me. I said Joe sunglasses. Two. Joe 2 said it. So that is number three. You are still missing the number two answer right after the no autocomplete. The first <sighs> added word. Something about his physical appearance. I don't know that this is necessarily... I don't know why it's so common, but... Suit? I, I... Drunk? Joe, you're close. 
clothes. It's it's it is some kind of clothes. Shirt. It is shirt. Yes. Oh, because of his ripped jacket. Oh, okay, sure. Maybe. Yes, I don't know. Sort of seems a little like weird and vague, but you know, hey, this is very particular. Like because he's got his cast. I've never seen that in a movie before. Yeah, like, that would be interesting. The yeah. sleeve of his jacket so that he could fit his arm through it. Oh, yeah, true. That's it. Good point. Yeah, that's what it was. Cool. Well, that's all for the Google game. Uh, I feel like, you know, we've done other things lately. I, oh, I guess we because we've been doing the early Channing movies, we can't really do those. We've had better success with the Gosling ones. But, I mean, two is sort of a, a light month. But, you know, I feel like we'll bounce back next month with the big short, I hope. Who knows? Yeah, I think so. Do you have this in the games list or not? But do we didn't do best and worst boyfriend material. It's in the games list. Did not okay, forget. Cool. After I was so embarrassed by that almost omission last time on the You added it to episode. the games list? Cool. Well, it's in there now, so I don't know if I, you know, I'm going to screw up or what, but it's in there. We are going to for sure talk about it soon. Okay. But the next cool. game we play is the trailer game. So if you search on YouTube for the Nice Guys trailer, the top one that comes up is the Nice Guys main trailer HD from Warner Brothers Pictures. I put it in Discord for you guys. If you want to click play, let it buffer I'm a little gonna... bit. I'm going to go okay. to YouTube and just search it because my Discord has been pulling up Oh, weird... this is the one I, I watched this today. Oh, because I think this was like the 100th movie I watched this year. Not like, because I've watched The Force Awakens like three times, so that counts as three. You know, it's like the 100th time I sat down to watch a movie was to watch The Nice Guys. Oh, that's go. cool. Special occasion. Yeah. Good 100. 101. Dalmatians? Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Dalmatians. You missed, you, you no. fucked up. Dalmatians. You done so you really do fucked up. You could do one or two Dalmatians. You still have a, you have a chance to, to make yourself up. No, because I watched The Nice Guys again. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> so. Like, like, what is wrong with you? Come on. Yeah. You're, you're, drop, yeah. you're dropping these opportunities. One on one Dalmatians, one on two Dalmatians. Now what you have to do before you watch <laughs> another movie, unless you did another one, you have to go make one of three Dalmatians and watch that. <laughs> yeah, and come back. I like yeah. it. I'm off to Hollywood. Ready when you guys are. All right. Okay. Nice guy's main trailer. Three, two, one, play. Here we go. Shot. Car. No. That house oh, looks so much like a wave house, by the way, right? It does. Sort of that old school sort of oh. L.A., you know, yeah. rich but not overly rich. Yeah. Because you live out in L.A. This is the opening long scene, but it is. it does set the tone for, like, exactly who Gosling is. Yes. Throwback Old Warner Brothers. Logo, yeah. Silver Pictures. Establish a job. Oh, oh, yeah. shaving. oh the gas line. So good. He was on the gas line. We the last time we saw a, a fight over gas was in Superman three. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> you are at a bowling alley. We are getting here that Gosling is a uh, screw up and Russell Crowe is a badass, and I think that's really yes. effective. I mean, I can't hear what they're saying, but Shane Black. You heard people for money. Kiss, kiss, black. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I love how happy um, Russell Crowe looks when she goes, "You, you get paid to hurt people," and he's like, "Yeah, it's great, isn't it?" <laughs> how much would you pay? How much would it cost to beat up my friend Janet? I remember that scene. This the hard way. Of him like pulling the. Oh, there's a deleted line. There's a deleted line where he goes like, "How about like a twenty or something." And he goes, it's a recession. Oh. So that wasn't in the movie. I do love that there's, there's something in this trailer that we, that we didn't talk about that, like, there's, like, a bunch of strippers and, like, sort of topless girls at that party, and they're all, like, super charming. Like, it seems like they're, you know, they're, they're paid to be friendly, but it feels like they're a little bit more charming than they have to be just because he's Gosling, who looks like Gosling. The good old porn days. Yeah. Yeah. She jumps I do on love the car. Jabari. I do love Mark Wally. She 
is so good. Go watch the leftovers. If you haven't, yeah, definitely do it. Also watch her spike. That's the, there's the good elevator scene. Guy yeah. falls out. The I wonder if this is gonna have the bathroom scene. I remember that most from the trailer is uh, when he's trying to hold up the bathroom door with the gun and just. Oh, yeah. that was so good. Another terrific bit of physical comedy. Look, if you come in here, you beat up on me. It's kind of. There's a lot of it from the end of the movie in this. Yeah. There's a lot going on. I don't know if this is sort of spoilers, but like. Yeah, it's just like it's very actiony. You can't the really tell when. When it's happening. Oh, the car from the beginning now. Yep. But it made it look like they were driving the car from the beginning off the cliff. Yeah. And here is too mismatched. It feels like there's a lot of interesting. Oh, that was a good scene too when they pushed the body off. Yeah, I oh, like that. Robert Downey Jr. is in the trailer. Yep. Right. I like the neon. Love it. I like the aesthetics of it. I agree with you, Mike. I would have been disappointed if I would have watched that trailer before I saw the movie, though. I think. That's again. I don't know. For the proof. I, yeah. Don't watch trailers. <laughs> yeah. This I, was 2016, so I was watching trailers and stuff. But I gotta be honest, like I would have seen this movie anyway. But I, the the trailer got me really pumped. Like I didn't feel like it gave anything away story wise. I felt it was just setting up. This is a movie about like Russell badass Brown, shit. Gosling. You're yeah. gonna team up, and I was like, that's all I need to hear. I might have even just zoned out the rest of the trailer. The next segment that we have is the most and least boyfriend material moments. So I have I have most. So Mike, I know you listened to our Blade Runner episode. We'll let you go last, sort of, if you don't have moments at the top of your head. Just We, we are might talking steal about yours, I'm sorry if we did. but The moments in this film that he is most boyfriend material, and then least boyfriend material. And then after that, we are going to guess what he does in the next movie. Although, okay. Joe, have you seen The Big Short? Yeah, I have, but it was a long time ago. I, I really don't remember. I saw it in theaters, so I don't remember. Okay, so maybe we'll both play for that one, because I feel like I'm not going to... I don't I don't remember much about that other than I like it and Margot Robbie in a bathtub. So we will talk about that next, but here... Oh, that's okay. great. Yeah, that's a great movie. Joe, I would like you to give us... What is your most boyfriend material moment... This, was, this was kind of a hard one because we didn't really get any relationship stuff in this one. But I think the most boyfriend material moment from this movie, I was going to say it when Mike was talking about it, but I refrained, is when he comes out and he goes, I'm a cowboy, shoot me. And he like spins and he's like pretty good acting, right? And then he falls off the thing. He was like just being so charming with this like beautiful woman. I thought that was the most boy like he knows she's a porn star slash stripper but he was treating her very well and was also being charming and he was still drunk that was my favorite boyfriend material moment and your least boyfriend material moment i think the time that he was the least boyfriend material in this movie is when is when they come back home jill garvey's in the house and he like meets like what's holly's friend and he's oh. like he, she's like yeah my my mom kicked us out or like my sister kicked us out and he goes your sister's a whore and he's <laughs> and, and she's like yeah and like that was like i thought that was like pretty not boyfriend materially he just like calls some little girl's sister a whore that was pretty bad so now joe i do love both of those unfortunately they are not as entertaining as your guesses for this movie Ooh. mike i don't know if you listened to our song to song episode i don't think you did but here were joe's guesses for okay. a movie called the nice guys this is what Joe thought this movie was going to be about and Ryan Gosling's most boyfriend material moment in this movie. Okay. It's a film set in the 70s, which I told him that. That's not... You don't get any points for that. No, you said it was, it was, it was in the past because Mike was going to be on it. You gave me oh, that Oh, so you got that right. I'm saying it's okay. Yeah. One point. Okay. Then, then you said, obviously, they're door-to-door Bible salesmen. Okay. <laughs> Mormons, Canadian, Canadian Mormons. They're now in Atlanta. It's the 70s. They come in and knock on the door and the woman's like, I can't buy a Bible because my husband wouldn't like it. Her husband goes, listen, woman, you talking to men at the door again? She's like, no, baby, no. 
Gosling asks, what's going on here? I'm a Mormon Canadian. <laughs> her husband grabs her by the neck. Gosling swings a Bible at him and clocks him out. Russell Crowe stands over him, which I told them Russell Crowe's in the movie. They take the woman with them, and she becomes the 20th sister wife. Got the decade right. Unfortunately, I was right. Wrong. I would love I was, to see was, that movie, though. Holy moly, would I love to see that movie. Yeah. Exactly. Then I said, what was the least Boyfriend Chill moment, do you think, in this movie about door-to-door Bible salesman? And he said, three weeks into their relationship, he points the seventh sister wife in front of all the others and says, sorry, in a very Canadian accent, sorry, <laughs> I like her best. <laughs> so, oh, Awesome. Good. I was really close, I think. I you was really close. Remarkably close. Yeah. Just a little bit off, but, you know, y- you, can't, you can't win them all. Okay. All right. So my... Most boyfriend Michelle moments. So here's what I was thinking. So this is a difficult one because he's flirty with a lot of girls, but he does not he have is. a girlfriend. He does not no. have a wife. No. Of all the things, I think his most boyfriend moments are with Russell Crowe. I think that there is Ooh. sort of a, a bromance here. That's between fine. Two of them. Yeah. My therefore my number one most boyfriend material moment is how hard he goes after this film canister at the end that he is doing whatever it takes going through all these bodily pains i wrote down he sort of takes a bullet like he uses the film canister to block the bullet dives through glass falls onto a car gets hit by a car i think it hits his um it hits his cast right he gets shot in the cast does he i think it, i think it hits the middle of the uh, it, whatever it does oh, it, it sort okay. of hits him Maybe or ricochet. something on him but doesn't actually hit him but he is doing so much, and then there's that look of triumphant joy when he holds the canister up to Russell Crowe, looking at him like, look, Ma, I did it. Like, look, I did this for you. So I think that is sort of the best boyfriend material moment. It's a good one. The least boyfriend material moment, I'm not honestly sure. There's some rocky stuff in their relationship early on. Not They're not on the same team yet. That is before they've, they've paired up, before they're on the same side, the same alliance, same allegiance. What I'm going to say, the least boyfriend material moment, if I'm sticking with the relationship of him and Russell Crowe, it's sort of unknowing, but when he way too quickly trusts Kim Basinger's assistant and tells her that they found the daughter, that they found Amelia, and that sort of sets the gears in motion to throw everything, you know, they're going to get double-crossed a couple times, and that's what they send John Boy to go kill her. Yeah. He's sort of backstabbing Russell Crowe to get with this new girl, uh, you know, throwing away this bromance to get with this, you know, woman that he's sort of madly in love with instantly, uh, just by being a little bit too blabbermouthy. So I think that, for putting their relationship and their lives in jeopardy, is the least boyfriend material moment. Those are those are decent ones. I like them. So, Mike, what is your, of all the things that Ryan Gosling does in this movie, what do you think is the most boyfriend material moment? What is the most boyfriend material thing that he does? All right, I definitely got one. Cool. It's it's got to do with the assistant with the with Kim Basinger's assistant. I think her name is Tally. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's Tally. Tally. Okay. Yep. Okay. So like after she slips on the coffee and knocks herself out, he takes a pillow and he puts her head on a Ooh. pillow before they leave the room, so that when she wakes up, she's got like a nice pillow under her head. Great he, call, he really Mike. Likes her. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's a really boyfriend material move. Good call. You know, that that. actually reminds me of what might be the most boyfriend material moment in this entire movie, which is not something he does, but in the opening scene, when Misty Mountains dies, that young boy who's about to jerk off to her, you know, topless magazine, takes his shirt off and covers her with it, so she, like, has some little bit of decency in death. Like, that's a kind of cool boyfriend material moment, too. Yeah. I'm not sure about least 
most most least boyfriend material moment, but I got I got one anyway. I okay. came up with one. I'm I'm not thrilled with it, Go but it. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't talk to my girlfriend this way. But when he speaks Hitler to Kim Basinger at the end, like under his breath, like that, when he's just sort of like saying that this woman is a Nazi kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she is a villain. You know, I get it fits. It's okay, but I mean, if I have to stretch, I wouldn't tolerate someone talking to their girlfriend like that. Or calling a little sixteen-year-old uh, girl the Hitler mustache. I mean, there's a whole movie yeah. full yeah. of Hitler references. <laughs> To or comparisons to women, not not great. It's a character not flaw. No, it's a character flaw. But like, yeah, it just shows that you know, not everything about him is is great. You know, he's exactly. got problems. That's that's our whole point of our little segment here, is to figure okay, out Joe. these moments. What our next film is the Big Short about the housing collapse, two thousand eight ish. Okay, a movie that we have both seen, that neither of us remember very well. So we're both going to play this game. What is the most boyfriend material thing he does? in the big short you said something and now you distracted me because you mentioned something i'm gonna say he i know he's with someone else but i can't figure out who it is fuck i think that he goes to christian bale yeah and he gives him a 20 dollar bill folded like a shirt or a gami <laughs> i think that's what he does cool. and i think his least boyfriend material is he draws margot robbie a bath but the water was cold and we're gonna oh. find that out from the the IMDb trivia. It's <laughs> <laughs> like an off-screen boyfriend material moment. No, it's because you said something about her being in a bath. So, like, he draws the bath for her on screen, but, like, he doesn't know, like, he's acting, so he doesn't know which handles which, and he puts, like, all cold water in this bath, and then we learn later that she, like, almost got hypothermia from, like, oh, Ryan Gosling's okay, wow. bath water. I like yeah. that. You don't remember that scene, though? Like, that's, like, the, well, that's, like, the only scene that no. I remember from that movie. Nope, don't remember it. I didn't even remember she was in the movie. She's so, in yeah. one She's in one scene in that movie. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to guess, boyfriend material moment, I think, just like you, I'm going to have to go with a, another kind of bromance, because there's a lot of dudes in this movie. There's not a lot of women, from what I remember. Uh, you went with uh, a Christian Bale thing. I'm going to go with a Brad Pitt thing. What does he do to Brad Pitt? Oh, fuck, I forgot Brad Pitt's in this movie. Damn. Yeah, man. I just had to Google it. Yeah, I he's like it. Dad Pitt in it, too. He's got, like, the dad bod in it, if I recall. He's not hot, is what I'm saying. Okay. Like he usually but is. even when he's not hot, he's still hot, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Men's unfair. Hot. I'm going to say his most boyfriend material moment is that Brad Pitt comes to the office okay. uh, with, with an idea Kay. to make money. Kay. Ryan Gosling shushes the rest of the group who don't want to listen to Brad Pitt Kay. so that Brad Pitt can get his story out, get his idea out, and make everybody a lot of money. He's like, okay. I, I, see somebody in, I see something in this guy. We should listen to him. Okay. So he's just giving a white man his just dues of listening to his yes. voice. That's it's about boyfriend. time a straight white man in this world was heard. Stands up for a straight white man. <laughs> yeah. The least boyfriend material moment is that after, immediately after, and I'm, I'm sort of pulling a Joe 2 here and combining the two, immediately okay. after like the Brad same Pitt scene? Yeah. says his story, he says, that's a fucking dumb idea, get out of my office. <laughs> well played. That's a very Joe 2 move, to can just combine them into the same scene because you forgot that you had to pick a least one too. <laughs> Perfect. This is not the joke because we've never had a guest on here before. Should we let Mike? Because Mike's not going to be on the next episode. Yeah. If Mike, if you really remember the movie, then you might just like want to excuse yourself. That's totally fine. But if you if you don't remember it and you want to give us a fun guess, we'll we'll keep track and we'll yeah. see how good you did next time. Yeah, I'll, I'll play because I mostly remember Steve Carell from this movie. Oh, he's in that movie. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fuck, there's so yeah, many people I know, in this like, movie. Go ahead. You know, so many people who are all straight white guys. Yeah. Yeah, and the only woman is in a bathtub, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
um, okay, so I think the most boyfriend material thing he's gonna do is sort of like Zeph at the end of We Are Your Friends. Like, he's gonna help out an unfortunate family by giving them, like, a lot of his own money, you know? Okay. I feel oh, like it's like, okay. Because I know it's, like, about the housing crisis and stuff, but I don't remember any of, like, the minutia of the film. And the- it's just gonna go full waif, and he just brings him a box of money and a shoebox. <laughs> I like it. Maybe it's, like, part of his origin story or something. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and then I think the least boyfriend material thing he's gonna do might not be toward a woman exactly but like it's gonna be a dick move where like he keeps important information to himself and that entails like in turn like that damages someone he cares about okay. like mm. whether it be like maybe his mom or his sister or someone like Ooh. a family member or something i like it and i'm gonna rewatch it to see if i'm right or wrong too i mean what well, i can tell you all... already is that all three of us are right yes <laughs> we're always 100 percent right that's how this works absolutely so. So that is the uh, first time we've ever done a three-person game on this. I think it went stunningly well. It did it went really well. We well, were laughing right. last time, Mike, because um, in the Disaster Artist episode, we had Chris join us. Um, oh, shout yeah, out yeah, to, to his podcast, Now and Again. We had him on, and we were like, we just threw him into the game section. Like, you're you're more familiar with the game section. <laughs> but we just threw him into the game section. He's like, and, and Joey's like, Joe, make a guess on what the next movie's going to be. And I like just like tell this whole story. And he's like, well, I thought this was going to be serious. Okay. <laughs> like you know. And we're like, yeah, we are serious. What's your problem? 100% serious. So. All right. So the next game up is the Letterboxed Game. This is sort of big since we've last recorded, definitely since last time we recorded Boyfriend Material, I think since last time we recorded anything, Letterboxd sort of visually changed its oh, yeah, format a little this. bit. Yeah. We still have access to everything that we had access to. Cool, However, good. things are in a little bit of a different place. So, for comparison's sake, Mad Max Fury Road has been watched or logged by <laughs> 209,880 people. 209. Okay. 880. How many okay. people, and you guys get both get to play, how many people do you think have seen or logged the nice guys on Letterboxd? Mm. Joe, I'm going to let you go first. Mm. 63,532. Okay. And Mike? Wow. Okay. This is, this is a tough game. Um, it's really hard. I'm going lower. I'm going to say something more like 42,850. You are both under. Wow. wow. Okay. I'm going to go 73,961. I'm going to go 105, 250. Somewhere in between the two of them. Now, here's the last hint I'm going to give. It's not of any usefulness to anybody. I follow 58 people, and of those 58 people, 43 of them have seen this movie. So Damn. Letterboxd loves this movie. Letterboxd Apparently. loves Ryan Gosling. Joe guessed about 73 and change. Mike guessed 105 and change. The actual number is somewhere in between. One last guess. 86, 9, 27. 86.9, and Mike? 95.350. The closest answer is Mike Mancy's final answer. The closest answer is 97.406. Wow, that's way more than I expected, dude. That's a a huge number. Like, that's really I'm happy. So now this movie has an average rating of 3.8, which is lower than La La Land, I think, and Blade Runner, but it's still very, very high. Of those 97,000 people, how many of them have put this movie in their top four? Oh, I would s- uh, This is going to be probably the highest one we've seen so far. One of the highest. 3,500. 3,587. Wow. That totally just changed what my guess is going to be. I'm going to go lower than that, though. I'm going to say, like, 12... 60 
or something. You are both over. Okay, 643. Oh, man. 310. Joe, I think, you know, I, I've said that you've gotten a lot of numbers really close here. Mike just got within two, 312. Whoa! Whoa! Holy shit! Good job, Mike. Nice. Good job. We found <laughs> I have the like only a... person better at this game than Joe. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Funny, I was listening to that Disaster Artist episode, and you brought up how good Joe was at the game. Yeah. And, I'm, uh, I'm usually I pretty close. Over here. I get pretty close, yeah. I've, I've gotten right. some... What was the one, like... You know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at the ones that are, like, very low-caliber movies, like... The, like all of the like early Zeph ones, like yeah. I really started to crank them <laughs> when we were talking like twenty three. Like I would be like one off and shit. It, it would be like you know two hundred thousand people have seen Mad Max. I'd be like twenty six. Yep. Joey would be like holy fuck. So I'm looking now at those three hundred twelve people on the first page of reviews, the first page of fans. Girl named Eilina, A I L E E N A, Eilina Ruiz has this movie in her top four. Okay. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. The Nice Guys is her third favorite movie. She's okay. on Twitter okay. at not Eilina. Trying to figure out where oh. she's from. She has not said. She does not say. Okay. Top four movies. I think that this is one. This is a game I think Mike's going to be good at. Mike's uh, going to be way better at this than me. So we're trying to guess what other movies Mike are in her top four of all time, at least according to like. So this is her number three. Iron Man. No. Um, Although, okay, so it's not, (laughs) so one of them is not a superhero movie at all, but it's kind of in ways sort of similar to a superhero movie. And I think there might be a little bit of a stretch. I don't know if that's actually going to be a helpful or hurtful hint. Die Hard? No. Okay. One movie's from 2001. One movie is from 2016, and one movie is from last year. Whoa. Uh, Fight Club. No. That was 99, I think. Yes. Flubber. Oh my gosh. Flubber, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all four of her top favorite movies. Okay. Uh, last year, was it, is Blade Runner one of them? Number or four, Blade Runner 2014. Right. See? Yeah, I knew Mike Manzi was going to be good at this one. Well, no, and then 2016 and 20. So and 2016, I think it's it's a movie that I know that Mike saw. I don't know if Mike liked it or not. It's the one that I say is similar, sort of similar to uh, a superhero movie, kind of. Interesting. I don't know if I don't know if it, it's not a, it's not a superhero movie at all, but it's in ways okay. it's similar. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Her number one movie is Ichumama Tambien, which we are never going to guess. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I've been meaning to watch that for a long time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I never would have. That doesn't feel like it fits the flow of what we've been no, going not, after. No, not even in a little bit. This I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get Mike to guess this because, uh, Joe, I don't even know if you know this movie. I think you might have seen it. I think you would probably like it if you saw it. Uh, okay. This is... Mike, this is a movie directed by a guy that you, me, and Tobin have talked about multiple times. Okay. That he directed one of your, I think, maybe one of your favorite movies, or one that you definitely told me to watch that I have not watched yet. He's only made, like, a handful of movies. We're going to we're gonna probably do them for Cinemakers, like, a short run. Oh, is it Ex Machina? No. He's made a few more movies than that. Okay, he hasn't only made two movies. And that's not quite a superhero movie either. In this movie say. is Adam Driver. Baby Peter Driver. Dunst. Joel Edgerton. Oh, my God. God, stop talking because I'm having like a seizure. I can't think of the movie. Well, a seizure is not far off from what the movie actually is. Shaken. <laughs> Stunner. The star of this movie is in almost all of this guy's movies, if not all of his movies. 
Michael Shannon. Oh my god, what's wrong with me tonight? And there's a little kid. My head's about to explode. Midnight Special. Oh my goodness. It's not It's not a superhero movie, but it's kind of, you know, like, in a way, it's sort of kind of yeah, like I a superhero. Never oh, this one. you know what that is? That was the, um... Tomorrowland. Yes. That's like, that's what I called it. Yeah, Good yeah. Okay. Good Tomorrowland. Right, right. I, I yeah, that's okay. I, yeah, I got to rewatch that one. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so it's good. It's cool. Mike gave it three stars. I gave it four stars. Uh, Joe, I think you should watch it. It's about a little kid who has like these crazy powers and they're trying to sort of save him and they're sort of being pursued oh, by cool. the cops. It's basically like if E.T. was a kid. So 11. Like a little boy. 11, yeah. Wait, Adam Driver. Oh, right. He's like the agent or whatever yeah he I plays, remember he's, like, he's on okay. the other side of the law wow i almost totally forgot about that movie i'm glad that it's in her list and she reminded me it's out there yeah. i gotta rewatch that and shit. jeff nichols yeah. i think you love take shelter right you told me to watch take shelter i've not watched yes shelter, yes so, yeah. yes okay the next game we have is fire ass titles jesus it's how many <laughs> we're not <laughs> done games are going on? yeah he's still got time dude so as you know mike we are going to mm-hmm. rename this movie High School Musical is the most bland description of what that movie is. If we were doing that same thing to this movie, mm-hmm. how would we rename The Nice Guys, which actually is kind of, in a way, sort of High School Musical yeah. already. Yeah. How would we rename this? Again, there's no order. We're just going to sort of round robin mm. it, just sort of, you know, shout names the out The cast. There. The cast. Helian March. L.A. Crime Story. Yeah. Funny Noir. <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> Detroit Centum. Ooh. The Case of the Bumbling Detectives. Nausea. Where's Amelia? Paid to do a job. Falling. Ups and downs. That's sort of shout out back to my elevator idea from before. But it's also reflective of the whole thing. (laughs) Ups and downs. A pair of dicks. Ooh, I think that's it. No, I got the last one. Go for it. And stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or a pair of dicks and stuff. Oh, I like that. Okay, cool. That's it. We hit it. Terminal velocity. We did it. We did it. Nice. All right, the next segment, almost the last one we have, is the <laughs> Gossies, Golden Fleece, Golden Geese, the awards. Oh, with yes. nominated this film number one, best film, The Nice Guys. I like number it. two, best Gosling role, Holland March. Yeah, nice and guys. best uh, non non Gosling male role. Russell Crowe so far. Yep. Best wardrobe? Do you guys do that? Because it's up against some pretty heavy hitters so far. We do I have best like costumes. La La Land. You know, La La Land okay. and now the nice guy, so I think that's... Yeah, I feel like... Okay. Yeah. I like that, yeah. That's a good nominee. He's got that suit. He's like, he's like, check it out. The guy's like, it's purple. He's like, it's maroon. <laughs> <laughs> he never does wear it. We definitely have to nominate this. I don't know if we nominated one or the entire movie's worth of them, but best Ryan Gosling scream. Oh. Is there one that we liked more than the rest? I like the one when she falls on their, the hood of the car where he's like, she's fucking dead or whatever. Like, it's it just because he's actually saying a word while he's yep. screaming. That's, so that one's my favorite, as opposed to just making the noise. But That's a good one. I liked when he breaks his, when he breaks his wrist. So I, there's, there's many options here. I wouldn't be disappointed with any of the choices. Sure. Most fun film, I think we got to nominate this up there. Yeah, this is pretty fun. I agree. Most most boyfriend caliber boy, boyfriend material caliber role. Don't think that really fits. No. Best song, best soundtrack, not really. I don't think soundtrack was pretty good. You think? Yeah, dude, the soundtrack was fire. It was like all these like classic '70s songs. I right. loved it. Best cinematography? No. I mean, I, I also liked think that it. like when you compare it to Blade Runner and La La Land and Song the Song, it's not as good. Yeah, it's like a lot of great action yeah. scenes, but scenes, but not um cinematography. No. Should we nominate? I don't know if we want to or not. Should we nominate Gosling and Russell Crowe for best love story? Uh, no. Okay. I, you you put it in my head, but I don't think that it existed as a best love story until you said it. 
Does he cry in this movie? Oh, he fake cries at the end. Yes, that's right. He does fake cry. Yeah. I don't know if he real cries. He falls asleep on the diving board. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, too. Does he actually... There's a lot of people who die in this movie. I think the body count, according to IMDb, is somewhere around 20. Does he kill anybody who's... And if he does kill anybody, does he? is it worthy of best kill? No. Yeah, I don't think he's directly involved with anyone's well, like, actual... Crow kills does, he shoot, does he shoot Keith David, or does Russell Crowe shoot Keith David? Oh, yeah, I think he does shoot him like three or four times, and then they fall off the building together, Okay. and Keith David goes splat. Shoots and kills Keith David, who okay. falls out the window. I think they're on the roof. They're, they're, oh, they're on the roof. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Best job, I think. Detective? This is his second time being detective, right? He's a Blade Runner and Oh good point. Which we didn't actually nominate. I like for. it, but I don't I don't okay. think that it's best job. Yeah, not as good as Oil Laborer at the end of Song of Song or Piano Player slash Club Owner slash Modern Rockstar slash Chicken Salesman. True. La La Land. True. <laughs> best dancing scene, no. Do we want to nominate the daughter for best non gauze role female? I do. I do. I was thinking She's that. She's great. There yep. was actually uh, one thing, as I was looking for Gaza and the Laws news from the last month, there was an interview that People Magazine did with her, and she talks about him somewhere, but I didn't recognize her name. Her name is Angerie Rice, or Angerie Rice, A-N-G-O-U-R-I-E. I don't know how you pronounce that, but Angerie That's Rice. That's an interesting name. I like it. As Holly March. You know what's um, sort of amazing? Mike and I have done 20 episodes, as of this recording, of Watch the Throne, and we have... Okay two nominees for best non-Charlize role female. And one of them really? is Dakota Fanning in a role. And who's the other? Oh, the other one's from Wicked. <laughs> it's like one was a stretch. Like we barely have any. Here, we've done four episodes and we have four women nominated. We have Ana de Armas' wow. Joy. We have uh, his daughter here. We have blonde Natalie Portman as Natalie Portman in Song of Song. And we have Emma Stone as Mia in <laughs> What? Blonde Natalie Portman. The song Wait. the song episode you have to listen to because Joe was like, this whole movie, I was thinking like, who's this blonde chick who looks like Natalie Portman? She's really hot. And it was Natalie Portman with blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, so I was convinced that, I was like, damn, this like chick looks so much like a blonde Natalie Portman. It's like really, really hot. And like yep. the whole whole movie, I'm just talking about it. And then I was like, and then I IMDB'd to figure out who she was and it was just Natalie Portman. <laughs> she does a lot of hair acting. She goes pink that's what, in that that's movie what Joe was Yep. Yeah, yeah, and then she goes bald in that New Vendetta. York I Love You. Oh, and V for Vendetta. Yep. Right, yeah, yeah. So she's a big hair actor. Yeah, big hair actor. The last and final segment, I promise you, Mike, is the last thing we recorded, the next thing we recorded. <laughs> no, the last thing we recorded, going. actually, <laughs> is the bonus episode of Zack Attack. Bonus episode. episode of Zack Attack. We did The Disaster Artist with Chris Mattiello, who we've talked about a couple times on this episode. We did... Uh, Babyface Mattiello? Yes, Babyface Mattiello. Chris R. Chris Mattiello. R. Chris R. Oh, that's right, Chris we R. We covered <laughs> Zaff's turn as Dan Janjigian, or however you pronounce it as his role, which I also, I realized we didn't say the actual person's name that he plays. Like, he's not playing Chris R. He's playing a guy playing Chris R. Um, and we never <laughs> said know, Dan's but yeah. name. We cover Zeph as Chris R, and it's a really good episode, I think. The next thing that we're recording, I am so psyched. I've been talking about it in a couple podcasts I've been doing with Mike. I cannot wait. The next thing we're recording is Fast Five for Too Fast, Too oh, Forever. Yes. Oh, That's right. My That's favorite right. one. So, Joe, this is Amazing. Oh, does he know? No, he does not know. What? Because, okay, are you going to tell him, or are you going to tell him now, or on the I show? I think I'm going to tell him now, just because you're here, and it was it's sort of a connection. Okay. Go ahead. Mike and I just watched and recorded the Italian Job episode for Charlize. Okay, which is Fast Five. Well, so here's the thing. 
I thought in my head it was a lot of fun. I remember it being a good time. I watched it. It's slow, it's bad, and it's incredibly sexist. Italian Job. Yes, believe it or not. I just rewatched it not too long ago, and I really enjoyed it again, but go ahead. The Marky Mark one? Yeah. I like okay. it. Same page. They made $100 million on like a $60 million budget or something, but it wasn't enough of a okay. success, apparently, to make a sequel. They had a sequel planned called The Brazilian Job that got scrapped. Oh my god. And The Brazilian Job script was later reworked to become Fast Five. So no way. So in this world, where The Italian Job is a sort of a shitty movie that was a sequel, the sequels planned, became the movie that was my entry point to the Fast and Furious franchise, and honestly the reason that I want to do that podcast. I am so glad that that happened that The Italian Job sort of tanked or didn't do as well as they wanted it to because we got fast. I like the Italian job. I really like it. I like Edward Norton in it too. It's really oh, cool. He's so oh, terrible. No. <laughs> oh no, I love it. Yeah. Oh, but it's but you guys I mean, you guys you watch a lot of movies and you watch them as film. Just like from a pure fun perspective. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, we talked about it on the episode and it's not out yet, but when we put it out, he did not want to be in that movie. Like he literally did not want to be in the movie. He oh, was yeah. contractually obligated to be. And so every time he's on screen, he's just mentally checked out. I guess yeah. you can poke fun at it, but man, is it not fun to watch. No, I, I think it's fun. I really liked it. I do I do get the point that like he is like totally full insomnia fight club mentality. He just like is like, I'm the cable guy. Here we go. It's just funny to me. Yeah, I liked it. And I like most deaf. Like, I yep. don't, As a I deaf don't guy. do dogs. <laughs> what is it? I had a bad experience. I love it. <laughs> that's such a good movie. Yeah. Well, it's not, but I agree to disagree. Agree okay, to that's disagree. fine. I, I enjoy it. There you go. It's not, I, I'm not going to say it's great. Like, I would never, like, um, it was one of these movies we were watching, like, a lot of, like, random, like, um kind of heist movies and, like, thriller type things. And I was like, Rachel, you know what we need to watch is The Italian Job. And we watched it, and she really enjoyed it, too, so. Well, what I'm going to say to you, Joe, is that if you want, I know you're not going to because you were not on the episode, but when that episode comes out on April 13th, go yes. listen to it. Check it out. There's one more fast connection. Well, the oh, director, oh, F. Yes. Gary Gray. F. Gary Gray directed Fate of the Furious, which starred Charlize and Marky Mark, who were both uh, in the Oh, no, Jason Statham. Oh, Jason Statham, yes, Statham. sorry. But do you see that this was this was sold as, like, the B-tier... Oh, yeah. No, it was Ocean's Eleven was, like, Ocean's yeah. Eleven was killing it right now, and then they made this as, like, a contender for that, and it wasn't, the, it, like, was nowhere near as good, even though it had a great cast. Yeah, because 2001 saw both Ocean's Eleven and Fast and Furious come out, and then this yes. was 2003, so it's like, hey, let's take those two things, mash them together. Yes. And just be boring as shit. My <laughs> experience, my, my memory of going to see the Italian job is that we bought tickets to go see Terminator 2 because it was out at the same time. Three. And, um, three. Yes. Third we time's bought tickets. Yeah, we, we bought tickets to go see it. Like, we got somebody's mom to buy the tickets because, like, we weren't old enough to, like, just buy them ourselves to go see an R-rated movie. And when we went to, like, hand the tickets in, the guy was like, where is your guardian? You can't go see this movie alone. And we're like, we had her buy the tickets. Like, she just doesn't want to sit through it. He was like, no. So we had to get tickets to the Italian job instead. Oh, the the, the next thing we're going to record after Fast Five is a guide to recognizing your saints on Magic Mike's, which this mic, oh. our Magic Mike, will be on that episode. Because oh, good. So he gets to hear. He gets to hear my guess of the what the movie's about. Yeah, Mike. Before we record that episode, you have to go li- listen to our episode. What was it? Was that Supercross? Or don't? Yeah, Supercross. I can't wait to rewatch that movie. That's all I'll say. I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting that movie. The movie about Channing Tatum and. Don't spoil it. I I, I want him to hear it live for the first time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's so Never good. Mind. I told you, Mike, that like 
I was, I, we actually, I sort of teased this. We, we recorded, Mike and I recorded a case oh, yeah, visited yeah. this past weekend. And I said, I was crying laughing while editing your guest because, man, it is just, it's, it's really good. Italian chef kissing his fingers emoji. Like, it's just so good. Ragazzi. <laughs> In a month from today, come back here. We will be talking about the big short where there's a bunch of straight white guys and Margot Robbie in the bathtub. So go do all that. Yeah. Things. Also, in uh, 13 days, come back for our second episode of Third Time's a Charm. Oh, where Mike talks yeah. about Jaws 3D, where the third dimension is. Terror. There you go. Oh, interesting. It's going to be a I've blast. We're going Jaws. to SeaWorld. Have you been to SeaWorld? Yeah. I mean, it's not okay. Then, then you're halfway to Jaws 3D <laughs> because it takes place at SeaWorld. Oh, really? It's Does it? Oh, it's awesome. Okay, cool. Yep. I'm going to watch it. That sounds good. It's a actually. good episode. Kara Gail O'Regan is the guest, and she's fantastic, and we have a nice chat. So. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mike, for joining us on this episode. Resident historian Mike guest. Manzi. You will be back a couple thank more you. times. You're going to be back for... What other movies are you going to be back for? You're going to be back for The Notebook, which is back in time. Oh, I've been waiting to watch that. And you are going to be back for... I do kind of like, you know, I, there's sometimes that there's more than three, but I kind of like this, like, three in a series. Like, you did three Zephs, doing three Gaz, I think you're doing three Channing. Perfect. You're be back for, oh, Perfect. Gangster Squad. Yes. Yeah, three is my number, man. I saw Gangster Squad in theaters with Rachel. We were, like, hung over, and we went to go see this movie. <laughs> it was cool. a lot of fun. So far, with gangster films that I haven't seen that I've had to watch for podcasts, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised. Like, we watched that one for Shia, and it was amazing, I thought. Like, the one with him and Tom Hardy and Jessica. Chastain and their bootleggers. It was an early, or it was a recent one, an early one that we recorded uh, about the bootleggers. Yeah, that was a great one. Well, I can tell you, without being too mean, uh, that streak is going to come to a grinding halt. For Gangster Squad? Lawless. That was it. So check out Lawless. Yeah, that was a cool one. I just Googled Tom Hardy, Shia LaBeouf, and apparently they got into a fight and Shia knocked him out. Tom Hardy says, quote, I got knocked out by Shia LaBeouf, so... Oh, shit! Whoa! Wow, not what I was expecting. But then, weirdly... He's like a mountain. Two days ago... Tom Hardy said he understands what Shia is going through. So, like, there's still, like, recent to this day, almost literally to today, talk Tom Hardy and Shia sort of current news. So, intertwined forever and ever. Interesting. Very interesting. But anyway, thank you, Mike, for joining us. You'll be back a couple more times. Three is the magic number for you. But you have (laughs) popped the cherry, the guest cherry on this. I don't know if we're going to have other Gosling guests. We might. I know that we're going to have another Channing guest other than Mike at one point, and we've had a couple, we sort of yeah. strayed a little bit in Zeph, but I don't know if we have anything else lined up other other Gosling guests, but if they do, if we do, you've paved the way for them, so thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Always is. Oh, yeah, it always is, man. I'm glad when you're on. Thanks. I don't have to listen to this fucker all day. <laughs> <laughs> As he looks in the mirror, depressed with the <laughs> <laughs> For all well things, played. Boy From Material. Actually, just a, a sh- quick shout-out. What was the material of this episode again, Joe? was Velour. Yes. It's soft, squishy. Wait, was it Velour? Yeah, it was Velour, dude. I was confused because I, Mike also had his thing, and I thought Mike was saying Velour, but no, it was Velour. So why was it Velour? Remind us again why it was Velour. Soft, squishy, and old-style fabric that fits the time period, yep. car interiors, yep. everything you want. Yep. Velour. Oh, you mean Velour? Porn and Velour sweatsuits. No, that's Boy From Material. Cool. Got it that time. It there only took go. me fucking the whole episode to like Two get hours. ready for it. 
For all things Boyfriend Material, all of our three past episodes plus this one, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. We're also, if you want to like the page that I let Joe run amok on, one yes. rule, do not curse, facebook.com slash too fast, too forever. I try really hard not to. Uh, I do like that yeah, your, your whatever you were was bamboozled. Um, that was a, <laughs> a nice substitute. My wiring was bamboozled. Your yeah. wiring was bamboozled, yes. Go check that out. It's not. It's mostly about Too Fast, Too Forever, the whole, you know, that podcast, the Fast and Furious franchise. However, there has been Gosling yeah. and Channing crossover, so. Yeah. Joe, always looking for ways to cross-promote. True. And I appreciate that. Email us, boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. Send us pictures of cereal. Hey, if you see Gosling's rum in store, send us a picture. Jenny did. Yeah, Maybe true. we can get Gosling's rum from a bunch of different people. True. I'll drink it. Literally send us whatever. We will talk about it on air. I will read it on air. Whatever you want to do. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. That was Mike Manzi, and we'll see you next time on Boyfriend Material. <laughs>